Hey, longtime listeners, it's your old buddy Shades here, and I want to tell you about the brand new Geeking Out with Shades and Sketch Kids Club for adults who are basically still kids at heart. Okay, let me tell you about this. Do you remember tuning in every Saturday morning to your local Fox or WNAC affiliate? Mine was Fox 64, and I tuned in every Saturday morning with Glee. Saturday morning cartoons were a source of existential joy for me, and they upped their game with the WNAC 64 Kids Club. I remember mailing in, getting my welcome kit. I got an incredibly well-made gold-plated holographic membership card that's more robust than some of my current adult credit cards. I still have it. Got a decoder ring. Didn't decode anything. Trading cards for my favorite cartoons and monthly mailers that dovetailed with the branded interactive content that aired during the commercial breaks. Genius. So after two years, we thought it was about time to create that experience for our very own and start our Geeking Out Kids Club. We've got a whole bunch of swag to share with you when you support the show over at www.patreon.com slash shades and sketch at this level. A three-month commitment will mail you your very own Geeking Out Kids Club member pack. Guys, you're going to get a unique 8x11 poster. Uh, you're going to get trading cards. You're going to get a membership card. And quite frankly, Sketch really outdid himself on the design for this one. Think Blockbuster meets Sequest. So head on over to patreon.com slash shades and sketch. Guys, we're a fan-supported show, and you're helping us keep the lights on in the GoCo, and we want to go the extra mile for you. So one more time, that's patreon.com slash shades and sketch. Head on over and get your very own Geeking Out Kids Club member pack today. Guys, don't wait too long because supplies are limited. Oh, hello, Puddin. I'm Sketch. And I'm Shades. And this is Geeking, Geeking Out, Out with, with Shades, Shades and, and Sketch. Sketch. Welcome back, longtime listeners. Thanks for joining us again. Hey, you know, every time you join us, our GoCo is in a different spot of the Geeking Out, of, I mean, of the Geeking Out multiverse. <laughs> Shades, not not the, the swankiest place we've been. No, but uh, in these COVID times, one of the huh. more resourceful. Yeah. And it, you know what? We've been in a sewer more times than I'd like to admit. That's true. And this is, this is a step this up. This is a step up. The Shades, where are we this week? Uh, we are in the abandoned Gotham City Mall. Yeah. Just hanging Malls, out. We're, uh, we're taking a hit before COVID. Yes. So it's been vacant for a while. It has. And we're just, uh, we're huddled around the, the, the empty fountain in the middle. And uh, an incinerator in the basement. Still working. It's, it's all you need in Gotham these days. It is. And, uh, well, no. Wait, there's some, there's, there's, a, a, there's some rummaging the, going on in that, in that store the over there. Security gate. Let me just uh, uh, raise the, the bar here. Oh my goodness. We're, we've been joined by a very special guest. A friend of the pod. Longtime friend of the pod. Uh, you have uh, heard her voice, actor, comedian, voiceover artist extraordinaire, uh, 2019 Sovis Award winner for outstanding animation and body of work, and uh, for bringing li life 
to Halo and Young Justice Outsiders. You've heard her in Borderlands, Big Hero 6. We are, of course, talking about friend of the pod, Zara Fuzzle. Hey, I'm looking for the Cinnabon. I thought it would be in here. Those things last forever, so it's... Uh, yeah, or like good orange Julius. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least there's like Dippin' Dots somewhere, maybe? I think that lasts like... Those Those will be around after cockroaches are extinct. Those are space age. Welcome back. Hey, guys. I'm so excited to be here with you today in this Thank mall. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us in this mall. Oh, it's fabulous. What fantastic timing, because if we are in uh, the old abandoned Gotham City Mall, that must mean we're talking about Harley Quinn. The Cupid of Crime, the Maiden of Mischief. Dr. Harley Quinn. Yes, please. Doctor. And uh, recently we've had a couple of Harley Quinn properties that we got to uh we got to take in uh so we're going to be talking today about the harley quinn animated series and shay do you want to do the full official title of the movie birds of prey and or the fantabulous emancipation of one harley quinn perfect thank you uh so for talking harley quinn this week do we have a theme song i believe we do sketch uh zara take it away but square cut or pear shape, these rocks don't lose their shape. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Ah. Perfect. I mean, we always say perfect. Wow. In, in however many episodes, I think this is the first time it actually means perfect. sweet can i just say i know i'm jumping the gun here a little bit but how excited am i that you and mcgregor has been in two movies that have <laughs> diamonds are a girl's best friend scenes i think that's a record in I, hollywood I think it to is. Be uh the man can do no wrong he knows how to pick them <laughs> <laughs> he really does well, i know, I know i'm also jumping the gun but was that was that sequence in birds of prey like uh, a a surreal like Moulin Rouge. It felt that was way. that what that was. I don't know if it was like a specific tribute to Baz Luhrmann and Moulin Rouge, yeah. but it certainly you know the dreaminess of it, the kind of the singularity of it, really did feel Luhrmann-esque. Yeah, yeah, and I know I'm jumping way ahead, but I, I Elise geeked out oh, hard when I we were bet. watching that. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. But uh, yeah, so um, guys, I'm so excited for this episode. Um, Harley Quinn has uh, kind of emerged as the, the, uh, the force of the DC universe, and uh, we're getting lots of cool things from her. This week, we're talking in particular Birds of Prey and Harley Quinn, the animated series. So of course, spoiler for those properties, longtime listeners, if you haven't caught up on those two things yet you might want to push the pause button and potentially anything that harley quinn's ever been in although yeah. we have talked <laughs> uh, harley quinn at length when we did batman and harley quinn and harley quinn yeah. yes so um so possibly we, we spoilers kind of... to that episode of geeking out yeah <laughs> <laughs> very meta um yeah should we should we uh start with our our personal histories of Harley Quinn? I mean, do we need a Harley Quinn history? Did we already do that? Well, sketch? we did we did that in um Batman and Harley Quinn when we did yeah. that. We went pretty 
pretty in depth with our personal histories with Harley. Uh, yeah. But uh, why doesn't Zara tell us a little bit about uh, her history with the character of Harley Quinn? Yeah, please. Yeah. Oh, I would love to. So I guess I first became aware of Harley Quinn, uh, much like many of us through the Batman animated series mm -hmm. in the 90s. And uh, she was voiced by Tara Strong, who to me is kind of like the the Harley Quinn in my mind. Um, I just remember being so delighted whenever there'd be an episode featuring Harley on. And um, she was just such a character, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. She was just so so um unique and like a shot of energy in in Gotham the Gotham verse which can get very dark and kind of very yeah. uh, we're all serious we're serious heroes we're serious villains and then you have Harley mm -hmm. Quinn and um i also just realized cuz i was looking up a little bit about the character's history last night she her first comic appearance was only in 1993 yeah so like in relatively short amount of time she has come to dominate the Batverse and yep. um, like you said, has become this force of the DC universe that I think she's an amazingly timely uh, anti-heroine. And so I think that's probably why she became so popular. Um, I, what else about my history with Harley Quinn? Um, a good friend of mine who I met through the Gargoyles fandom years ago was actually a prolific writer in um, the Harley Quinn slash Poison Ivy uh, fan fiction community. Wow. And so that was another kind of entree to the Harley Quinn world. Cool. Like, and so I, I kind of got this idea like, oh yeah, she and Poison Ivy have this dynamic. Um, and so that's something that I'm excited to see the animated series now on DC Universe kind of pick up the baton and continue with exploring right. their relationship. Right, definitely. Um, yeah, and just, you know, you mentioned um, Tara Strong voicing um, Harley Quinn. And uh, like so many, so many people have put their mark yeah. on the Harley voice now. Mm. Um, yeah. Zara, have you have you spent any time in the Harley comics at all in, in any of her series? No, I have not. I have not read any Harley comics. Do you got any you recommend? Well, I, I was just going to say that, um, you know, just to backtrack, just to give a little bit of, of our history. We've talked about it. Um, the the rebirth era of of DC Universe, which we're still kind of in, I guess, um, was uh, Amanda Connor and uh, Jimmy... <gasps> That's um, right. Palmiotti. Palmiotti, thank you very much for that save. Um, I love Amanda Connor. Right? That's right. I completely forgot that she worked on the Harley Quinn comic. Can I tell you an Amanda Connor story? Oh, please. Of course, yes. When I was uh, 11 or 12, my mom took me to the Wizard Comic Con in Chicago. <laughs> and at that time, I uh, was a big fan of the Gargoyles comics that Marvel was putting out. And Amanda Connor did the art for the Gargoyles comics. So at Wizard Comic Con, I saw that Amanda Connor was doing a panel. Um, and so I went and afterward, my mom and I went up to her and I was like, I love your work on the Gargoyles comic books. She was so nice and supportive. And I told her that I wanted to become an artist and she was just so lovely and nice. Um, I've been looking for an opportunity to find her at a convention now as an adult to tell her like, hey, I met you when I was a kid and you were so nice to me. And that's always stuck with me. That's so cool. But 
every time I've go to went to, every time I've gone to try to meet her, um, her line of fans has been so long that I have not had a chance. Her her line is so long, and your line is so long, and it's just you're just like you know looking over the masses. <laughs> Amanda, I love you. <laughs> that's but that's too, so that's phenomenal. So cool. She's a perfect match for Harley Quinn. She is. Um, and that's just what I wanted to, you know, just touch on their uh, run on Harley Quinn. I think it was the f- only the first uh, 20 issues or so that they did together. But that is like the most Harley that I think I, I've ever experienced. And that's kind of emerged as like my favorite vehicle was that was their run on the series because it did kind of, to me anyway, really establish her as finally uh, like her own woman. And it wasn't, uh, you know, she wasn't dependent on Poison Ivy or Joker or Batman. She had her own gang of, of Harleys and like a Deadpool-esque sidekick. Oh, uh, Red, uh, Red Tool is his name. Oh, nice. It's kind of like a mashup of Deadpool and, and Wolverine. And uh, <laughs> really uh, as, as the, the vanguard of that series and, and kind of, being a leader in her own right without making her a hero or a villain, just a person trying to get by in a like quote unquote batshit crazy wor- world that uh-huh. is the DC universe. Um, Cause it can be dark. It can be silly. It can be, you know, slapstick. It can be uh, brooding. It can be like uh, YA. It, it can be everything and anything. And, and Harley is kind of allowed to ride that yeah. wave of wherever the DCU goes. So I don't think I had talked about that in our previous episode sketch, and I just wanted to uh, drop that and give that that creative team props. And I also think that since awesome. that episode, uh, DC has done a lot of work on Harley, too, like really pumping her up even more. Right. Um, I personally love what they've done with her. I think they've made a lot of great decisions as far as the Harley character, like in which direction they're going to go. And having her be kind of like the DC's Deadpool-ish character and this, this like, which side of the line between good and bad and sane and crazy is she actually walking on? Maybe it's both. Maybe she's going back and forth. Um, I don't know. She's just more dynamic than ever. And I've, I've always been a Harley fan, and now I'm more a Harley fan than I've ever been. Very cool. Sweet. Um, well, should we, should we just, um, get right to it and, and start with the birds of prey movie? Sure. Yes. Um, I have a little history and then the all important, uh, internet scores. Of course. <laughs> Cause that's what we all really care about. Right. Um, so, uh, birds of prey and the fabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn, uh, gets its roots and origin way back in 2015, actually before the the Suicide Squad movie came out. Uh, Margot Robbie pitched the idea to Warner Brothers, and the film was announced in 2016 with uh, Christina Hodson, hired as screenwriter. She also did um, the Bumblebee movie and is uh, working on the Flash uh, Flashpoint movie right now. Oh, she was hired as screenwriter. Kathy Yan uh, directed, uh, was attached as director. And the cast was in place by the end of the year. Principal photography took place between uh, January of 2019 and April of 2019. And it premiered in uh, 2020 in Mexico City. Um, The Birds of Prey, I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole, but are traditionally a team headed by 
uh, Barbara Gordon, either as Oracle or Batgirl, uh, with the core members of the team rounded out by Black Canary 2, Dinah Lance, and Helena Bertinelli, the Huntress. Uh, and it has a kind of revolving door of, of side characters of uh, femme fatales and heroines of the DC universe. Um, and that, I think, debuted in uh, 96, I think, was the first issue of that book. Mm. But this is their first uh, screen adaptation in either animation or live action film. Wow. Yeah. Um, the all-important internet score, Birds of Prey, IMDb, gave it a 6.2. Side oh. glance, IMDb. Wow. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes. This is a rare instance. Okay. The fan score and the critic score are dead even at a wow. 78. Wow. You don't often Solid see that. Solid C+. Plus. Solid C+. Plus. Google, 82% of Google reviewers loved this movie. They're always the highest. They are always the highest. So positive um, on Google. I will just come right out and say, I flippin' loved this movie. I gave it a 98. Wow, that's excellent. I loved that's it. That's an A+. Plus. It is. I, I loved this movie. Um, to me, without getting too far into it, this was like watching an old school, like Western, like War Wagon or Rio Bravo. And it was just so perfect. Like we meet all of our characters. We learn everything we need to know about our characters. They go on this journey. Uh, it could lead to other things. It could be self-contained. I, I, just, I just absolutely loved this whole experience of going on this journey. Uh, I could have easily given it 100, but I thought that was not fair. <laughs> You're a professional. Um, Zara, what, uh, where would you place Birds of Prey? Gosh, if I had to give it a number, <clears throat> here, let, let me talk about my feelings before I assign a number. Sure, sure. I, I did not stop having fun during this movie. Yes. It was such a fun time. And I was like, it was eye candy too. Just the way it was shot, the way the action yes. scenes were shot with the camera work. There's often like a 360. You could see every hit and every blow. And that was really exciting. And like you said, with the um you got to know each character what their deal was before they all came together mm -hmm. and the whole kind of first two acts of the movie i'm like when are they going to get together ooh when they get together it's going to be so fun and then it was so fun when they all got together and um i think the strongest point about this movie was its comedy and comedic timing yeah. it was played for laughs especially margot robbie's performance as harley <laughs> quinn so funny margot robbie is amazing like i've always loved her work and everything she's done and she was my favorite part of suicide squad yeah. um so i was so excited to see her in this role in this playing playing it for comedy and laughs yeah. however I, I was also surprised when the story shifted to Black Canary's um, arc, uh, Journey uh, Smollett, um, who was in Full House, by the way. She was one of Michelle's friends. Oh, was House. she really? Like, Where have I seen that name? Yeah. Um, I thought she was amazing. And when we were kind of in her story in the setup, I forgot I was watching a Harley Quinn movie. Yes. I was like, oh, what's going on with these? What's going on with her? Gosh, this is interesting. This is fascinating. Um, so, yeah, I... Really enjoyed the movie. I think it never got too serious for me to 
be genuinely worried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for for that reason, I'm kind of glad it didn't go that gritty. But for that reason, I would give it like an 89. Very good. That's solid. I have. Uh, I got I to gotta preserve, you know, the 11 extra points for. <laughs> I don't know. I love that. <laughs> Sketch. I am. Um... I'm right there up there with you, both you guys. I really enjoyed Birds of Prey. I was pumped for it to come out. Uh, and when it eventually did, I was seeing it right at the beginning of release. And then I rewatched it last night uh, in preparation to talk about it again. And happy to report that it uh, it still stayed true to me. It still held up. It wasn't just that initial geek out. Uh, so I give it a 91 90 oh, nice. In the 90s. Yeah, I, I, this was such a bizarre experience. The first time I saw the movie, I saw it in um, uh, Marco Island in this like tiny theater with nobody else in it. And it was one of those theaters that like they serve you throughout the movie. Oh, and, sweet. Yeah, it was such a bizarre experience. Um, I kind of dragged Elise to it and then like she had such a great time and I had such a great time and we both connected it to it in such a visceral way. And then when we rewatched it, I think we enjoyed it more the second time around because we noticed all of the nuances that we missed the first time around. And it's just, it was so smart. And, And like you said, it was just this fun ride. We, there was never a point in which we didn't have fun and, uh, you know, all, all of the character development was just so damn good. Um, and, it, you know, can't just like Rosie Perez. Oh, my God. Is a gift. Like, oh, oh my God. Like, Renee Montoya. Yes. <laughs> finally, finally, we get Renee Montoya. And like yes. you said, when we shifted to different characters, I became so engrossed in in their story that I forgot it was a Harley Quinn movie. And uh, even you and McGregor's story for like Black Mask. When he, when a character was on screen, I don't know how they did this or or why I felt that, but I felt like I was watching their movie until the third mm-hmm. act. And then it's just like a, a car crash where everything is just there and together and so organic. I think that's like my biggest, you know, how organic it is. This was, I just had this note uh, from watching it. This was so much more of a Justice League movie than Justice League oh, or yeah. Avengers. 100%. Hundred percent, and it was just right. The way they came together, their motivations, their stories, their their humor, their like those who dislike each other, those who like each other. It was just so real and visceral. Yeah, it was genuine. Um, they had genuine yes, relationships yeah. that developed throughout the uh, the movie, and it made sense why they ended up together at the end, and and of course, then where they went from there. Right, without spoiling everything. Yeah. And I love also because it was all women, there was very much this sense of, hey, I got your back, girl. Like, don't worry, I'm looking out for you. And that was throughout the movie. There was no, um, none of the stereotypical cattiness or kind of comments about being a woman. It was just, hey, we're all looking out for each other. There's, you know, this guy's a dick. You know, they're after us. We got to fight. And I had similar feelings watching this as I did to watching Wonder Woman, which Mm -hmm. was, it was the first time I had seen female, a female superhero and a female driven action movie that was filmed without 
the male gaze, essentially. It was yeah. filmed from a place of strength. And you could tell very much that it was a female director yeah. and a female screenwriter <laughs> because there was none of that. There was none of that. Um, I think sometimes when something is, uh, thankfully, I think we're moving out of this, but for a long time, there were, there was a period where it's like girl power. Yeah. We're women girls. Yeah. And it's like the femininity and the femaleness is highlighted mm -hmm. rather than you don't need to highlight it. It's there. Just capture it. Um, so I really enjoyed like as a woman watching it, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt authentic to me. Just to piggyback on what you're talking about. Um, I love how we're just organically mm. like raving about this movie because it's just so much, so much fun. The, there's this uh, moment where um, it's been widely talked about. It's not like a, I've noticed something here, but when Harley gives uh, Black Canary a hair tie, mm -hmm. that's yes! so real and so yes! like, and then um, Huntress, who is like the emotional uh, intelligence of like a, a dry piece of toast is like, um, uh, I really like how you can kick so high in those tight pants. Because like, yes, that is impressive. Like, and it's, it's organic and it's real. It's not objectifying, but it's, it's such a commentary on like, one of the things that uh, like Elise and I will often talk about is how like women's jeans don't have real pockets. Like you can't actually, mm. you can't put anything in them because it's more about like, um, they're not utilitarian at all. Like, like women's nope. clothing is rarely utilitarian. And uh, that was such a, a real, authentic comment for this person who is not feminine, but still a woman and still aware to like have a real uh, connection and conversation with this other character because they've both experienced these things. Like, Hun and Huntress does wear very utilitarian clothing, and yeah. like at one point she looks like she's wearing a trash bag. Um, because it just needs to be dark and like protective. And um, it's, you know, whatever that coat was, it was not about I'm the huntress whose like costume has been totally impractical and just like eye candy yeah. made to appeal to the male audience in comics um, at various points in her career. And can I just tell you, Mary Elizabeth Winstead <laughs> as Huntress in this movie is like every gay girl's wet dream. Like she is so hot <laughs> when she rides up on the motorcycle is like, hey, hop on. It's like, ah, oh. <laughs> so she was. Um, yeah, I think crafted for a different type of gaze. for sure. <laughs> you know, in that last fight scene in um, in like the fun house, especially when they all come together oh, up yeah. on that uh, <laughs> like swirling hand carousel thing. To, to, to piggyback again off what Zara said, where where they they do have each other's backs, and yeah. I'm trying to think of another action sequence in a superhero movie recently where it's not just the heroes doing their signature move against the bad guy. Right. It's the other. It's it's taking care of everybody else, getting yeah. Cassandra Kane out of the way, uh, you, you know, giving Black Canary the hair tie. Like everyone at some point in that fight steps up for somebody else. Yep. And I'm, I'm honestly trying to think of another yeah. team coming together movie that does that. And I can't, I'm coming up blank. Yeah. Um, totally. 
It's like even the Avengers, as much as I love the MCU, the first Avengers movie is a lot of dick swinging. It's yeah, like, it, yeah, it is. It, it's like they had to sort out their differences in a non-organic way or a right. less organic way. Well, because they had all these movies to build them up, I understand why they kind of hit the ground rolling in Avengers. But, um, but yeah, having each other's back and and supportive, absolutely. I um. I totally agree with that. And I, I really can't think of another, uh, you know, particularly the fight sequence. I can't, the closest thing I came to with like the feeling I got from this movie was the first Iron Man movie. And mm-hmm. those characters did all have each other's back, you know, in a non physical way. Mm-hmm. But that's just that's just something that's missing from movies. Like we're the way movies are constructed now, we're just these are the good guys, these are the bad guys. They don't like this this group, they don't like this group. Okay, fight. And it's mm. this was so organic and real. You know, they just if you're if you have an ounce of decency in you, you're gonna protect a kid. Like, regardless yeah. of what else has happened, whether like Harley Quinn is like a psychotic like villain or if you know you're a you're down and gritty cop or you're a you know just a straight up stone cold killer like you're gonna protect a kid um i loved that um we we kind of like glanced over it and and then maybe we can get some like structured raves just a couple since we're just like organically <laughs> raving about this movie this is yeah, my favorite couple. this is my favorite part of the podcast Zara. sketch how much do you think this movie cost Oh, oh God. And Zara, feel these. feel free to play along. Gosh, I'm so bad at guessing budgets. That's me. That's me. Um, you know, long-time listeners think it's just a trope, and then I'm doing it as an act. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I will say $100 million. Oh, that's a great guest sketch. Zara, do you want to wager a, a bet? Oh. Um, you can also um, just say higher or lower. One hundred million and one dollars. Oh, prices right <laughs> rules. Uh, sketch. I'm going to give it to you. Ninety million. That's nice. One of the closest guesses I've ever made. Wow, uh, it is. That is, I think, the closest. Now, how much do we think it grossed Ooh. in total? Um, it's so hard because I feel like it came out just when things were getting real with Rona. Yeah, and so. Mm. Like we had intended to go see it in the theater, but then kind of missed the window. I do uh, think it was affected. And when I was looking at it, people were saying that that was not the case, but I, I really do think it's run got caught shut, cut short. It came out in February. Yeah. Is that when it came out? It did. In February movies in general too. It came out. Yeah. Um, Sonic the Hedgehog opened against it. Okay. Oh, oh God, I hope Birds of Prey came out on top. (laughs) (laughs) I will say 150, 150 million. Oh, Zara? I'll say 200. Hey, good guess. It made $201.9 million. Wow, just domestic or worldwide? Worldwide, worldwide. Oh, wow. Uh, Wow, Domestic, it made 106 million. And uh, and people are saying it's a flop, and I don't get that. Uh, I think it's definitely DC's strongest offering in their cinematic universe. That's uh, this strong agree. 100% agree. I think this is the best movie 
and and everyone, I am a Justice League and Batman versus Superman apologist. I, I love those vehicles. This was by far the like the DCEU should be shaped by this movie. Whatever's left in in the tank at this point, and who knows if the DCEU is even still a thing at this point. Um, this was by far um to me the the best movie to come out of um this offering in the in the last you know, five years, um, you know, and Aquaman and, and Shazam were very different movies to me. They, yeah. they did not live in the same kind of visceral R rated realism that, that, I, that this movie is set in They're you know, they're different corners of the multiverse to me. Totally. I found Aquaman delightful, but in a very different way than I found this movie. Mm, yeah. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, really I, think, hope- yeah, I think the DCEU has just been, doing better and better as time has been going on. I think it's, I think it's working against the, the trend of a reputation to, to work yeah. against it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's working against the name of, Oh, it's a DC. Oh, it's a DCEU movie. Eh, eh, I yeah. don't know. But if you're, if you're watching them all, like we are, I think you could definitely see them trending up. Yeah. Yep. Strong agree. Yeah. And I think it's, a big part of that is when they diversified the directors um, mm-hmm. who were working on their yes. projects. Uh, because when it's kind of one guy doing everything, things are going to be a little one note. But when you have different viewpoints and different methods of storytelling, things get more exciting. Yep. Strong agree. Strong agree. And um, I mean, I, I'm excited to see where Christina Hodson goes with, uh, with the storytelling and flash and um, you know, the the internet rumor mill is that she is now the architect of the DCEU. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I've I've read. And uh, well, it's a rumor she started on her Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, I certainly enjoyed this way more than Bumblebee, and I, I think Bumblebee was a little bit more you know nuts and boltsy. But uh, no pun intended. Yes, no pun intended. <laughs> um, but I mean, just in terms of over under, that's like. The storytelling here, it's like the growth of the storytelling that that she is doing. I mean, I can't I don't know what will come out next that she's written, but I want to see it. Yeah. Like her storytelling and script construction is just fantastic. So I would I would love if she is the new architect of the DCEU, if they are even going to have an architect. I don't know, but uh, I would be excited if that's a true rumor. I would love to see the director, Kathy Yan. Yes. Her next, her next project, because, oh my God, I was blown away by the, the, the choices made on this movie, both in the editing and the cinematography and how, you know, the the casting, just all these elements, um, I think were super successful. And I was reading a little bit about her and she's a relatively young director. She only, I think had another feature under her belt. So I'm super excited for her to keep watching where she goes from here. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I really, we say all the time, show me something new and I'm all in. And I just, I love the look of this film, the way it was shot, the way it made me feel. Um, and it was really, for me, it, it really called back to, not in a, uh, in a way of emulation, but how groundbreaking and different The Matrix was when it came mm. out and, and the visual style of the Wachowskis um, that they brought to cinema um, with all of the new, you know, the different technologies that they had they had put into play. 
this excited me in a similar way. And certainly it's, it's a different style of filmmaking, but it, it, it's her, you know, her fingerprints are on this and I, you know, I want to see more movies that look and feel like this. Yeah. Um, should, should we just like maybe just grab like a couple of specific raves and then sure. move on? Sure. We've been kind of uh, drooling over this movie, which yeah. I think deservingly so. Um, Sketch, you want to start us off with a, a specific rave? Okay, sure. I'll start one um, even before the movie. Even okay. before the, the movie came out. The uh, I'll, I'll talk about two specific marketing uh, things that they did because I thought Very they were cool. awesome. And we talked a lot last, last, uh, last episode about Sonic's marketing and Sonic's legs. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know if it just had me in the, the mindset of like looking at posters and stuff, but so the, the logo to the birds of prey, do you remember the logo for it? Like, as you'd see it on posters. Yeah, it was like it was birds of prey, and then um, the Harley was kind of like written in or in neon in the corner of it. Uh-huh. Let's see, do you yes. see it? There? Yeah, 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 yeah. What yes. I love base, about this yes. logo is all the use of negative space. Yep. Now, every character uh... is represented in that in that poster. Oh wow! I didn't even. And, and it's wait just a minute! Wait a minute! So oh great. my gosh! Oh, wow. Holy God, shit! That is so cool. The you got the mask as the B. You got the yeah. arrow. Oh, you got the wow. bow. The knife. knife. It's such a smart logo, and it That's deserves awesome. credit. That, that graphic design behind that logo is phenomenal. Oh, except um, Huntress would be very upset. I know. It's it's crossbow. It's not a bow and arrow. Not twelve. <laughs> not twelve year old. Not twelve year old. And then oh, one of their first posters, or maybe it was the final poster too. Um, I don't know if you remember seeing it, but it was a, an obvious uh, the, uh, like homage or adaptation of um, uh, the birth of Venus, the Renaissance painting. Uh-huh. By yes. And again, so freaking smart because for whatever reason, it worked really well for this movie to kind of, superimpose these characters yes. into a renaissance painting because it was in a lot of ways a rebirth of the dceu yes movie franchise i think that was the um the imax poster what you're talking about yeah it yeah. was harley in the clamshell and yeah i mean they did a really good job of not flat out copying obviously the birth right. of venus but but making it incredibly recognizable to yeah anyone who's ever seen that that work before it was just super smart editing i mean uh marketing before the movie even came out strong agree yeah i I have to give credit to those those background artists who were working tirelessly wow and i i've looked at this uh so many times and i'm you know only just now when you brought it up i was like oh my goodness how did i miss all of that graphic design work in the negative space i'm a sucker for a good negative space that's true i you know that's the thing you have said, you know, that is how I describe you. Yep. To people. All right, I'll pull. The, I'll take this down. So. Thank you. There you go. Yeah, that's uh, my first rave. Sure. Zara, do you have a specific rave uh, from from watching or the experience? Of the oh gosh, I, I feel like I, I I blew my raves already. Yeah. A, a la- <laughs> I wrote a review of this movie on Twitter last night. <gasps> all it said nice. was, all it said was, uh, Black Canary hot. Huntress, hot. I nice. ship it. <laughs> um, I love it. Like, I don't know. It was just... I'd, 
Okay, here's a specific grave. We haven't talked about Zaz, who Ooh. was creepy, creepy-licious. Yeah. I feel like Ewan McGregor's villain um, was funny. Ew, At times right? I felt like he was just kind of Ewan McGregor playing a villain. But his henchman, Zaz, darkened it all to such a level. I mean, I guess, you know, you can't really get around being dark if you skin people's faces. Mm. But he was so creepy in his expression and how, with how little he used his few words to such a great menacing extent. So props to, um, Oh, I'm blanking on that act. Chris Messina, I think. Yes. Yep. Um, really, really awesome work. Uh, I also want to rave about black canaries, little, um, convertible, her <laughs> little, uh, canary colored convertible. Yep. It was so fun. Her Jag, and, yeah. yeah. Her Jag. Yeah. Yeah. Her Jaguar. Um, yeah, I loved the attention to detail on all the, like each character had a vehicle and a, and this a series of props that just perfectly matched and helped tell the story of them. Even if they didn't like specifically res- refer to like, oh, that's my car and blah, blah, blah. Right. Like you get so much info about her because she drives that car. Mm-hmm. Uh, because she wears those gold pants. Like just really great costume and set prop design, all that. Oh yeah, st- strong agree there. I, you know, it it didn't even occur to me the first time I watched it, but I did notice I was like, oh yeah, she's she's driving a canary colored, yeah, Jaguar. Like that's perfect, and it's it's not the Batmobile, and it's not you know lovingly maintained. It's yeah. it's utilitarian, except why why is she driving like a thirty year old convertible? Yeah, it tells you everything you need to know about that character. And, um, yeah, it's just, you're right. I didn't think of like the, the specific props that went with each, each character. Um, and then just along with that, how they, uh, how they each got a piece of Harley at the end, which was just so wonderful. From her box of tricks. Yeah. From her box of tricks. They all get a, a specific and, and, uh, and Black Canary takes, takes this like ridiculous belt. It serves no purpose whatsoever. <laughs> it's just flashy and she loves it. It's and it's just like, sure, that's that's perfect. And uh, you know Oh, I I have one more rave since we're on the Black Canary train. Yeah. Um, I loved the sound design of her power, her her mm. scream power. I'm glad that it wasn't just a scream. Yeah. I, there were like these birds twittering and it was almost a silent kind of like a sonic. Yep. And like, I just thought that was so creative and it could have been really stupid looking and sounding, but it was really classy. The The noise that they produced was so smart because without actually hurting your ears, it yep. felt painful. Like all those little yeah. side noises, you're, you're thinking, are these coming out of her mouth or are these my ears breaking down? Like it was that well built of a, of a sound. And I'm so thankful they used it once. Yes. Yes. The big canary cry moment. And again, it's built anticipation. You're waiting for her to Mm -hmm. use her power. She's fighting, fighting, fighting. You're like, why aren't you using your superpower? Right. And then it comes. Yeah. Perfect. I did. I kept, I did keep thinking about it and and the anticipation was going to be, you know, in media, we have the Arrowverse Canary Cry, which, like, every time I hear it, it hurts. It hurts to hear that. 
coming over the TV and I, I'm always bouncing audio. So I'm always listening in cans, um, <laughs> oh. headphones. Uh, and whenever the carry, canary cry, uh, it was just like, shrill. And it was so artistic and poetic and perfect. The, you know, and I missed that the first time the birds chirping on how everything else just goes like is sucked out of the room. Right. Um, it, it is, it is perfect. Um, I, uh, any, any more raves that you want to get out, Zara? I'm just in talking about this with you guys and processing it. I'm realizing I really, really liked this movie. Right. <laughs> like it was really good. Like I'm trying to think of any, um, I guess, do we have a negative section? Yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're oh, about to transition, okay. I feel like, to, to Copy. I'm like trying to figure out what I want to say. Right. And finding it difficult. I have, <laughs> I have like the smallest of rants when we get there. Um, I just, I have not seen a movie in years that um, laid out its acts so well and things that were um highlighted in act one were built upon and then wrapped up so nicely in act three um and there are many but i just wanted to highlight uh roller derby mm -hmm. the business card <laughs> and the egg sandwich mm -hmm. oh yeah chekhov's egg sandwich um <laughs> And it was like, okay, and I, I was like, oh, they're just, you know, they're trying to build upon different elements of all the things that Harley has been in her career. Um, and and in that uh run of Harley Quinn, you know, we talked about roller derby is her thing, but it was like, oh, oh no, she's gonna use roller derby in the final fight. And like we go through the pro progression of her being um a mercenary, a finder of lost things, uh, uh to the final, we get the business card, Harley Quinn and Associates, badass motherfuckers. And then I, I felt like I understood Harley in, in new ways in this movie with like all, you know, all she really wants is the, that egg sandwich. That is, that is her world. It's like, I, breakfast is my thing. Diners are my thing. And I'm just <laughs> broken by everything that's happening right now. And um, we were rewatching it. I was like, oh, my God, I understand Harley for the first time. Like, I understand how her brain works now. Because, like, <laughs> um, I, you know, I've, for a while we weren't able to get eggs and then we were able to get eggs. And my thing has just been like oh. egg sandwiches. That's like my sense of normalcy in the morning. It's like, oh, my God, uh -huh. like I, it, she's never been a character that I've identified with. It was like, I, oh, I get this character. I get her now. And this movie delivered on, on everything that it put out there and all of the origin stories that it gave us. Um, and, and I'll just kind of go into this. Every character got an origin story, went on a journey, and then grew by the end of the movie it, and <laughs> were a different person from where they started uh, at the beginning of the movie. And that's incredible to, to, to like... And it worked and I got it all. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't, I don't need a standalone Black Canary movie. I don't need a standalone Huntress movie. I don't need a Renee Montoya backstory. You know, I don't need, you know, three um, uh, orphan movies for, you know, Cassandra King, you know, becomes orphan. I don't, you know, I don't, done, done. You've just successfully laid out all of these characters. And I hope we get more movies with them. Maybe we won't, but if we don't, okay. I went on this journey that took, 
Marvel 22 movies and I'll, you know, I didn't enjoy all of them. Um, whoa, whoa. I didn't. Whoa. I didn't. Um, Shots fired. <laughs> I haven't even seen some of them according I to our rankings. Episode. I haven't seen all of them, but um, it didn't stop you from ranking them. It, it didn't. <laughs> I'll, I'll be that guy. And I think that's so, you know, when a movie functions that well, when a script delivers in that way and then a director is able to like visualize and and give life to what is on the page i I, I mean i can't you know in a similar way of i can't think of a superhero movie where where they've got each other's backs and they're fighting for you know a purpose and there isn't you know as we said it isn't just you know a measuring contest i can't Mm -hmm. think of a movie that i've seen in years that that function this well maybe not since like the first Ocean's Eleven reboot, uh, like in that, just the way it laid things out and then delivered in the end. I don't think it did it that well. Well, I'll tell I'll tell you my my biggest rave. I think kind of explains your rave as well. And my biggest rave is having Harley be the narrator of this entire story yeah. because it explains away any inconsistencies that you find in the movie, you're just like, well, it's Harley Quinn. She's an, she's an unreliable narrator. Like, of course, you know, she'd be, she'd be, uh, you know, thinking that, uh, you know, the huntress who, who seems so like flat and stone cold and emotionless. Like, she's like, she's known her for a day tops and she's <laughs> recounting this story. And she's like assigning this character to her. And, and she was coked out of her like, brain for most of it. Yeah. So yeah. like, Having Harley be the one to tell the story, like immediately for me, anywhere where, you know, like a lot of times we say rant is anything that takes you out of the movie. Right. I could immediately explain it away and right. say it's it's Harley's perception of how right. all this went down. I love that. Totally. I love that. It's um, a great point. Yeah. Every time Margot Robbie looked down the barrel of the camera, I, like I just I loved it. Like, sure, this happened exactly as I'm telling it. And I love that. You're absolutely right. It's yeah. uh I was hard pressed to find some rants, which um, shall we shall we transition to rants? Yeah, we can do a couple of rants. Sketch, do you have do you have a I feel like you've got one. Loaded in the barrel, do I? I don't know. Do you? OK, well, I'll say I'll say my biggest rant, the, cool. the thing that Let I us, just couldn't get over transition. And that is when this movie was announced first. It was announced as a Birds of Prey movie. And I feel like that just kept getting backpedaled and backpedaled more. And it and it turned more into a Harley Quinn movie, which I'm totally fine with a Harley Quinn movie because I right. love Harley Quinn. But I got less and less of my my birds movie. Like if this yeah. was just Harley Quinn and not Birds of Prey. And by the end of the movie, the birds came together. And I was like, this is where the Birds of Prey came from. Awesome. But yep. because I was like primed for Birds yeah. of Prey, I... I didn't get as much of the birds as I wanted because we got so much Harley. And the biggest sin for me, no nod or mention or Easter egg for Barbara Gordon. Right. How do you do anything Birds of Prey without like a little Barbara Gordon somewhere? And I'm not saying put her in there, but like Oracle graffiti somewhere or, you know, just something that, you know, she's in this universe. Have her on a computer screen somewhere. She's the Oracle mask from the comics Uh, that she's you know working her hacker magic magic. Sure. You know, like just, oh, if you're doing birds, you you got to give me a little babs. Yep. That's um, a really interesting thing. It seems like it was a very deliberate choice to not involve her at all. Mm. Right. And I can't help but wonder when a choice is that deliberate. 
if there's some kind of licensing issue because different properties mm. within the Warner Brothers umbrella can use different right. characters. Mm-hmm. They can, like, we ran into this, I, I've heard from Young Justice a lot. They wanted to use this character or assign this attribute to this character, but DC Comics says you can have this guy, but you can't have this guy. And you want to do this with this guy? No, you can't right. do that. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a lot of, um, Within the Warner Brothers umbrella, which owns DC Comics, which owns the cinematic universe and rights, which owns like there's a lot of partitioning of characters. And so I can't help but wonder when you when, you know, if Barbara Gordon is such a huge presence in the Birds of Prey series to like not have her at all in this movie. I think that's a fascinatingly deliberate choice that might point to licensing issues. That's some real world bleeding into the uh, it is into the story. Yeah. We have we have said before sketch the the greatest villain of the DCEU is Warner Brothers. And uh (laughs) I would I would not be surprised at all if that were the case where they're just like you can't have Batgirl for this. Yeah. Um you know for a while there, Joss Whedon was supposed to be helming a, a Barbara Gordon standalone film. Um, and I know, I, I don't know what's happening with that, but I feel like that's not a thing anymore. Um, mm. Not that the, the movie's not coming out, but I think Joss Whedon's involvement, involvement in that is uh, come to an end. Yeah. But um, yeah, that seems plausible that they just didn't have the ability to use her. Sure. Which... Which was, you know, my biggest rant. How do you how do you do Birds of Prey without Barbara Gordon? Oh, look at us! It's uh, yeah, that pair. was my biggest rant. I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, my second my second rant was uh, it just it felt like such a, a, a they missed a real opportunity to do something definitive with Harley Quinn for the first time, and it it it's a, a little rant. Um, that she's still adrift in the DCU at the end of this this vehicle, which was I, I understand was like putting her on her own two feet. But at the end of it, after all of this growth, she steals Di- you know Dinah's car and drives off. She does have Cassandra Kane, but if in the next movie Harley Quinn and Associates Badass Motherfuckers is still a thing, I will retra- retract this rant. Okay, um, like I if so. that. If that like grows and and there's an umbrella to this that that she does put her quote unquote band of Harleys together, of course it'll look something you know like something else. But if that's a thing where we go from movie to movie, if she is this universe's Deadpool, then I will retract this rant. If we go into Suicide Squad and she's back to the eye candy, then yeah. then this becomes even bigger of a rant. Yeah, that's because a this, problem. This character has grown in such, you know, you know, to the character in this movie in particular, the growth is just so profound. Um, and in the way in which you know, we we didn't even talk about, and not to rave again, she uses psychology, you know, to manipulate. Yeah. And in you know, that was the thing about we talked about the Mario Brothers movie. They plumb. They actually use plumbing, <laughs> which is like. That's perfect. Like this was an instance of that. And so rarely do we get a character who, who uses their skill sets that she's not just someone's sidekick or she's not just crazy. She does have this, these moments of, of clarity um, that are interspersed with moments of insanity. um, She used it throughout the movie and I, and I absolutely loved it. 
And she, so used she diagnosed her, Roman at the beginning. Yes. She she uh, she kind of almost uh, provides therapy to Huntress at the yes. end. She's, yeah. she's definitely using it to bring everyone together. I mean, and she uses great. her insanity in a similar way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I so I hope at the end of this, the growth of the character in this movie continues, at least in cinema. Wow, you just blew my mind a little bit thinking about how she because for me what's always been most interesting about harley is uh the idea of someone who's so together and so insightful into the human condition like a psychiatrist mm-hmm. for them to fall to the insanity and the chaos that she falls to like that to me is the fascinating thing about this character yeah. and so pointing out that she uses her psychology and her analytical skills in the same way she uses her insanity to help others. Like that is, that is just kind of changed my, just blown my mind about the character. And I think Harley Quinn might've just like rocketed up to one of my most favorite DC characters. Cause it's, that's really fascinating. And that's um, why I'm saying I love what DC's doing with her. Like have they're really, pumping this up in, in her. I mean, it's not just the eye candy side girl anymore. Yeah. She's she's a legit awesome character. Yeah. And uh I, I even like in the movie we're supposed to be ranting, but okay. <laughs> but, but like the whole thing is she 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 sums it up when she says to Cassandra Kane, like, you made me want to be less, less terrible. terrible person. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah she's yeah. right now she's not to the point where like She's trying to be good. I right. mean, she's still gonna she's still gonna steal from Canary at the right, end. Right, right, right. Dylan's got a bill. Yeah. But she's trying to be a little less terrible. She she gives the uh the Bertinelli bank account numbers to Huntress at right. the end of the week. She just pockets the diamond, you know. Right. So Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, something I can't help but couldn't help but think about is it was so nice to have a movie about Harley Quinn that didn't have the Joker in it. Oh, it was yeah. just a little animation in the beginning. Yep. In the same way that the movie Joker, it was nice to have a Joker movie without Batman. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciate, you know, the DC films taking this kind of very... Um, uh, if you remove the thing that defines the character, what does the character define on its own in its own regard? And I think that is one of the greatest things you can do to evolve and make a character more deep and more complex. I also, I know this is totally, I might be alone in this, but I would love to see Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn in a film with Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. I think that would be some fascinating stuff. Yeah. (laughs) That could be some interesting on-screen chemistry right there. Wow. Yeah. I have, uh, I've still yet to see Joker. Wow. Um, oh! Yeah. I know, right? Did I just lose some major cred there? Some geek, geek no, cred? No, you have, you just have <laughs> an experience ahead of you. Uh, and yeah, it's oh, what a positive said. way of putting it. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take that. I am so curious to hear what you guys think about Joker. Uh, but that's for another podcast. That's for yeah. another episode, I suppose. We'll, uh, I have a couple of rants. Please, sure. please, yeah. Um, okay. So, first one is not really a rant, but a little point of confusion. Sure. She had the name tag Bruce around mm-hmm. her collar, and I learned later that Bruce was the name of her hyena. Mm-hmm. But I thought 
she was talking about Bruce Wayne and that she named the hyena after Bruce Wayne. That was a little unclear to me. Yes. Yep. Because yeah, exactly. Wayne is, she named the hyena after Bruce Wayne because he's so hot. Because he's such so a rich. such a hunk. Yep, such a hunk. Uh, and rich. But the name on her choker was specifically for the hyena. The hyena. Who thankfully Copy. lived. Yes. Yes. Oh, thank God Bruce is alive. But so is that from the comics or is that explained in the movie? And I just zoned out. Explained in the movie. Okay. Copy. The, copy, copy. The beaver is explained <laughs> in the comics. But yeah, the beaver is okay. a comic character. Yes. And in the animated series, she had two hyenas. Two hyenas, yes. And they were named after Abbott and Costello, oh, I guess. Yes. No, right. uh, Abbott and Costello, or uh, was it three? Or was it Three Stooges? It was Three well, it was Stooges. Two of them, so it was a classic uh, comedy duo. I remember. I thought. I thought she gives Fosse Verdon. Sh- no. <laughs> um, I thought it was something to do with Three Stooges because Shemp got an extra steak. Oh, maybe. We'll have to look it up for the midstream. I think it was Larry and Shemp, maybe. All right. My second rant. Sure. Is uh, with Roman. Ewan McGregor's character. I I think I said earlier, it w- took me a few scenes to get into him because I love Ewan McGregor. I had an Obi-Wan Kenobi Mountain Dew life-size stand in my room as a teenage girl. Wow. <laughs> I've been a big fan of Ewan McGregor for a long time. You heard it here like first, he was... <laughs> uh, long-time listeners. I feel like he was phoning it in a little bit because... It, at least at the start, because it was like, oh, this is Ewan McGregor being a villain. I felt no sense of menace from him um, initially to the point where I was wondering, he always had other people doing his dirty work. He had Zaz actually doing the murdering. At some point, he was like, shoot her. Um, he, I, so I was like, oh, is this this feature of this villain where he doesn't want to get his hands dirty? He has other people do it. He doesn't want to kill himself. But then he pulled a gun out and I'm like, okay, no, there, there goes my theory on that. So I just felt there was a little inconsistency in his villainy. Um, and I would have loved if, I, I know Zaz was a true menace and a true threat. I would have loved, though, if if there had been a little bit more development of his character so that I felt higher stakes at the end of the movie. That's um, so interesting, Zara. I didn't even put it together until you just said he didn't want to get his hands dirty. He literally wore gloves through the whole movie, mm. and every time he came into contact with, he took, he changed them. He yeah, he would wear off, the gloves during the dirty deeds. That's yeah. so interesting. He wore the gloves. He was that character was so dissociative. Um, it was almost like he was playing two different characters, not the black mask character, but the, like the. I don't know. Yeah, it was it, it was hit and miss for me at times because you're right. He seemed so non-threatening, but then also like zero to just psychotic. Uh, yeah, with a, the dance club the, Yeah, scene. and it, Well, I think that psychotic is the true character and, yeah. and everything in the beginning is is the real black mask. That's the real mask that he's wearing. Yeah. Of, I have everything put together. I'm this suave club owner. I'm going to control the city. I mean, he's all about control. And the, the moment there is any hint that, no, sorry, Roman, you don't have control. The mask yeah. comes off and he's just his psychotic self. I think it was so smart to have the 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 duo of a villain team, the Zaz mm. and the Black Mask, because Black Mask was so unhinged, but ultimately harmless. But when yeah. you had Zaz, who was so committed and like so willing to do anything for him, you're like, oh, 
This is this yeah. is frightening. That's right. the danger. But so, yeah. so when Zaz was taken out of the equation yes. before the last fight started, I was like, okay, well, there's no real threat because you and McGregor's a dinky dink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was taken out. I love the way he was taken oh out. Spoiler God. alert. Right. That I'm, was amazing. I'm a fan of comeuppance, <laughs> and those were those high were class comeuppance. comeuppance. I, I, I remember so well. I remember in the theater like shouting, like Oh, <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Because I um, wasn't expecting, I was expecting no. the splash in the water I, and then the underwater explosion. Yeah, completely right. subverted that. Well, I mean, the I perfect was, amount of gore. Yep. I was waiting for like the, the, the Hasselhoff uh, Baywatch exit of like, maybe he's alive, maybe he's not, but oh, oh no. Oh, no, he, is, <laughs> he is very dead. Um, there is no coming back. There's no that. coming back from that. <laughs> you and McGregor got a one movie contract. <laughs> Well, he has to go film the Obi Wan series for Disney Plus. So. Right? Um, yeah, that was the. You're right. You are. You have said that before. You are a fan of comeuppance, and those were the the ultimate. Those are great um, comeuppance. We're supposed to be ranting, and uh, clearly, you can you can longtime listeners, you can tell our true feelings of this movie. <laughs> Any big questions before well, wait, we? Uh, I, I have oh, one last rant, oh, one, one, it one is, last but rant. it is okay. minor, minor, minor. But it, is, it, it was one thing that I just could not suspend my disbelief in. And it's minor, I, okay? It's it's kind of minor. I mean, it was a big plot point in the movie, but I could not believe for the life of me that Cassandra Kane did not recognize the Joker or had ever heard of the Joker. Oh. Like, because to me, it would be like not recognizing Al Capone in the 20s. Like, she's a street smart kid who's been out there. She's been in and out of cop stations. Yeah. And she sees Joker's face on Harley's wall and is like, who is that? And like genuinely doesn't know who the Joker is. And I just, that was the one thing that I could not believe, even if Harley's telling the story. But he's old. He's like 30. So why would she know about yeah. him? He is old. <laughs> and I was thinking, because this, everything with Harley has to have happened in like the last three years. So right. everything's got to be fresh in, in, in Gotham's mind. Right. So I'm like, Cassandra, how do you not know Joker? I, you know what I um, thought you were going to say? I thought you were going to say, I can't believe that Cassandra Kane could have pooped out a, a diamond, diamond of that, that size. size. <laughs> so no, that like, I believe. That would that like, I believe. tear your intestines apart or like require surgery. When she <laughs> swallowed it the first time, I, I just remember thinking like, like that oh, is just that such is, a bad idea. That is so pointy. <laughs> like, oh, sweetheart, that's going to hurt. Nah, just they, they needed a strainer. It was fine. Yeah, bring in the colander. Bring in the colander. Oh. Um, I loved that. I loved that Cassandra didn't have any idea who the Joker was. No, I, I mean, absolutely it was, loved it was that. key. It was key to Harley's story that yeah. here's this here's this character that... who looks up to her and doesn't even tie her to the Joker at all. Yeah, I don't know. I it's it's interesting because I thought about it and and was it a rant that that the Joker and Batman and Gordon don't seem to exist or have ever existed yeah. in this. And, and at the end it was like, no, I don't care. I don't care where they are. I don't care what happened to them. And I don't care that nobody is like living. I love uh, Gotham city without those characters is so interesting to me. It's oh, such yeah. a, like the bat universe is so full of rich characters that never seem to. to spread, I mean, I wrote their down as a wave that I, that I didn't say that not having the Joker in it was the 100% right decision yeah. for this movie. And that going into the movie, it was my biggest apprehension. Like, oh, uh, I, I, 
I don't want this to turn into a Joker movie. Yeah. I don't want this to be yeah. Harley and Joker. Especially yet. not a Jared Leto Joker exactly. movie. Exactly. Yeah. And so when he wasn't in it at all, except for like one back shot, I was totally on board. But I mean, his presence is still in the movie and it's important right. that his presence is in the movie because it is what Harley's working past the whole time. So that was the one thing, especially on my rewatch. I was yeah. just like, Cassandra, you're smarter than this. <laughs> here's, here's, well, oh wait, are we going into big questions? I think we can. Okay. Th this just dawned on me. Do you think Cassandra's arm is really broken or is the cast like, like a decoy for her pickpocketing? Oh, I, hmm. I think decoy for the pickpocketing. Yeah, I feel like it was it broken. Yeah, but she's, yeah. she never went back to get it off because right. it's too, too good of a tool. Yep. I yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, was broken at one point, but now it's healed. And, and her parents are so awful. And it's just it is too good of a tool. No one would yeah. ever suspect. Yeah. yeah. I also have a big question sure. about Cassandra Kane. Um. So let me preface this with a lot of my understanding of the DC universe comes from working on Young Justice. Uh, I read mostly X-Men comics as a kid. Okay. <laughs> and so I've had to play catch up a little bit with like my DC comics knowledge. So I'm the Cassandra Kane's origins. It's my understanding that they're different in different uh, iterations. And uh, does she... Okay, this might be a spoiler for the character, but it's my understanding that at some point she's going to get her tongue cut out. Um, is that a thing? So this is the problem with the DC universe <laughs> that it has like retconned itself so many times in such a short period at this point. Uh -huh. So when the character was first introduced, her father was one of the people that trained Batman. and. Um, she originally Cassandra Kane was mute. Ah, uh, okay. And her mother is Lady Shiva. Right. And she was trained in the language of fighting. So like yes. her whole thing was that she fought, she was able to communicate with like by punching people or kicking people a specific way. Like, um, so she was originally mute. Uh, be and then in the new 52, they retconned her mm -hmm. and she just didn't exist in continuity. Um, oh, good. Yeah, they just they <laughs> wrote a lot of people out of continuity in new 52. And then in rebirth, they brought her back. But uh, I mean, eventually she did learn to to not be mute anymore, which I thought was kind of a disservice to the character. But uh, the, in the the rebirth, she speaks, and she's now a character called Orphan, which is right, more yeah. more to where this version of Cassandra Kane seems to be. I don't know Copy. if they'll go that route. I think that would be cool if they would if as the character grows, she becomes the mute version. Uh, the whole movie, I was just like, "Oh God, please don't cut, cut out this her tongue." I know, tongue right? Out. Like, I don't want to see that. <laughs> Nobody needs that right now. <laughs> I mean, that would be the way to do it, right? Have Zaz right? cut her tongue out. That, yeah. but he's dead, so thank God. Yes, she's safe. He's very now. dead. <laughs> Almost as dead. Oh, that's stabby step, 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 step. Yeah, everyone got to hit him. On him. <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic. That intersection again of violence and slapstick oh, comedy is so good. It is so good. Even the blow up at the end is is come up and it, it's gory, but it was also hilarious. 
<laughs> oh, look at us. We're, we're, we're raving again. Yeah, um, it's, it's hard not to. It is. I have one, uh, I have one big question. Sure. It was almost a rant. Oh my. Where is poison Ivy? Yes. Where? I mean, she's so intrinsic to Harley's character at this point. Um, and, and, and to her growth. Um, I kept asking myself, where is poison Ivy? Particular and and to a lesser extent, like where are the other villains of Gotham? Like, okay, licensing, so licensing, yeah. <laughs> licensing. Mm. But I, you know, it, they it wasn't the movie worked so well that it wasn't a rant. But uh, I found found it hard to believe that in a Harley Quinn centric movie, um, there was no Ivy. That's well, maybe fair. Suicide Squad two, right? That's the next one with Harley. Yeah, Quinn. yeah, the Suicide Squad. Oh, the Suicide no, Squad. No, no. Con- oh, that's. <laughs> no, Wait, it's called the the sequel to Suicide Squad is the Suicide Squad. Yes. <laughs> it's uh, it's not quite a reboot. We're we're starting to take a lot of liberties with with titles of, yeah, of movie series lately. <laughs> All right, well, I have one. Uh, I, I also have one big question. Um, was lighting the biker's beard on fire? <laughs> A little nod to the Batman and Harley Quinn animated movie. Because that's how she ultimately won the day. Won the day, lit Floronic Man on fire. Yeah. Um, That's cool. I'll say yes. Yeah, it was the first thing that crossed my mind when I saw that scene. I was like, Harley would. And Harley has. Uh, Yeah. I was like, is his beard been doused in gasoline? Hair is incredibly... Does hair light up that Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Do you speak from experience? Uh, Yes, I do. I had a I had a major uh, a minor I should say I had a minor grill mishap last year oh. where the grill just kind of went and uh, yeah hair singes very it just goes up wow I don't know that it like goes up and just like engulfs you in flames but it <laughs> it burns like that well, let's not live to find out he's also a biker so you can you lots can of motor oil in there under, he's been yeah, working on he's, he's got some flammable yeah, liquids sure I buy it I buy it Zara do you have any big questions? Um, 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 I guess the big question is, where do we go from here? (laughs) Sorry, uh, for those of you at home, there's a little kitty uh, visitor here on the podcast. Never Um, apologize for a kitty visitor. (laughs) She might step on my keyboard Uh and stop the stream at any moment. But, um, I guess questions, huh? I mean, my biggest thing was about Bruce, the hyena, and then... (laughs) Cassandra Kane, I was worried about her life. Um, I guess my biggest question is, uh, will this movie get a sequel? God, I hope uh, so. I really enjoyed these characters and this universe and like this team. And uh, I would love to see it continued. But again, I'm not, it's hard for me to get super invested if I know that it's not going to, yeah. if that's not in the plan. Yeah. And I think that's been my major criticism of the DC cinematic universe in general like if if they're recasting batman every couple of years if they're recasting superman every couple yeah. of years it's like well um i'm not saying that the dc cinematic universe needs to be like the mcu but some cohesion i think would help us all stay invested for a longer period of time mm-hmm. so i guess that's my big question is where do we go from here yeah yeah probably quinn and associates truly hope we get the birds back. I really feel like we'll get Harley in something. 
Um, but I do the worry. Suicide squad. Yeah, the <laughs> suicide squad. But I do worry that we won't see the birds again. And and I now that they've meshed, yeah. now that they've they've overcome their their uh, their obstacles, I want to see them be that team. Yeah, and those actresses are all so good. Yeah, they were great, and I would love to see all of them do their thing again. Yeah. Yeah. Strong well, agree. Strong agree. Time will tell. Um, Should we transition over to the the, the animated the series? Anime, I think yeah, sounds like a good yeah. plan. Hey, LTLs, it's Shades here, and I just want to remind you that our sponsor this week, just like every week, is you, our longtime listeners. And you can become a sponsor of the show by heading over to patreon.com slash shades and sketch, where you can support the show for as little as $1 a month. But right now we are running our very new, very special geeking out kids club for adults who are basically still kids at heart. And you can go over to patreon.com slash shades and sketch and sign up at that tier today. Guys, we thank you so much for helping us keep the lights on in the GoCo. Now back to this week's episode. Announced on uh, November 20th, 2017 to air on the then unnamed DC streaming service. Harley Quinn is the brainchild of Justin Halpern, Patrick Schumacher, and Dean Laurie. At the time of announcement, the team was aggressively pursuing Margot Robbie to reprise her uh, film role. But the uh, next update came in October of 2018 when it was given a premiere date of October 2019 and further announced that Kaylee Cuoco would be voicing Harley and serving as executive producer through her Yes Norman production company. Lake Bell was also announced as voicing Poison Ivy. Uh, All important internet scores. IMDb gives it an 8.4. Rotten Tomatoes critic score is an 87. Fan score is a 91. 97% of Google reviewers loves Harley Quinn. That's a high one. It is. I gave it a 90. Wow. Good job. I I like the show. Yeah. You don't have to be sheepish about that. Shout it from the rooftops. I gave it a 90. There you go. Uh, I gave it a 92. So I am. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Zara. Sarah, what would you give it? Um, I would probably fall in the 90. Here's, here's, uh, I have such complex feelings about this show and I'm a little biased because I've auditioned for it several times oh. and not been cast. <laughs> so I watch it with a little bit of an eye. I'm like, oh, what choice did they make there? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. There's a rant. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Long time listeners, you I, heard it here first. The only reason why it's getting into rant territory is because I freaking love the writing on this show. Every time I would get an audition script, I'd be like, this is hilarious. This is right up my sense of humor alley. God, I want to work on this show. Um, And when I first, we were treated to a preview of the pilot episode at Comic-Con last summer. So uh, it was like a DC Universe panel where Young Justice, we announced that we'd been renewed for season four. And then um, Justin Halpern and Patrick Schumacher came up and were talking about Harley Quinn. And as a treat, they aired the entire pilot episode to a packed packed room at Comic-Con, roaring with laughter. (laughs) It was the most fun way to watch that show. Um, And so I think... 
I, I knew it was going to be hilarious. And when I finally sat down and watched through, you know, most of season one, it did not disappoint me in the humor. But at the same time, I didn't fall in love with it the way that I thought I was going to. So for that reason, 90. Okay. All right. Yeah. Should, should we, let's start with rants. Cause we're kind of ranting. Okay. Is sure. that cool? That's um, fine. There are my my biggest issue with with this is um it's a series about Harley Quinn and sometimes it feels like it's not about Harley. Um and I love the I love the writing and there's yeah. there's something about it that um Harley never quite stands on her own and and you almost feel like we're laughing at Harley at times rather than cheering for her she's leading the crew she's already won but she'll never get out of her own way i i do love the sense of humor i love the show but there's something about it that uh it never quite brings harley to that next level if there is any amount of growth by the end of the episode we we retreat i I feel that it's um it's smart it's funny but there's there's something something off I don't know. I can't quite put my finger on it. Well, I will say that similar to what Zara said, like I was expecting when I, when I watched Harley that like I was going to binge it and just go through every single episode and I can take breaks. I can watch an episode and be like, I'll watch another one tomorrow or the next day. And I don't know if that is the, just how the episodes are that they're just, pretty self-contained and pretty easy to be satisfied by the end of it and not be hooked in. But I was expecting going into it to be a lot more invested than I am. Shame on you for having expectations. I know we always, we always (laughs) say it's really hard to go into something with expectations, but there are things about it that I never expected that I love, but we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Not there yet. Yeah. Gosh, it sounds like we all feel very, very similarly. Yeah. Like, I, um, uh, I love the humor of this show and we will get to that. I love the acting on this show. Mm, Um, yes. And I have a lot to say about that, but I feel like the show doesn't really find its stride until episode five or six. I feel like the first five episodes are very repetitive (laughs) where it's like, Oh, Harley's in trouble. And Oh good. Poison Ivy's here to save her. And you know, it's, they have the same conversation back and forth. Are you still about the Joker? You know, like I thought you need to get over him. Like that's very repetitive. And if it's done intentionally because in real life, these situations getting out of a relationship can be cyclical yeah. and it can be repetitive and, and friendships and relationships with people are hard. Um, it, it just feels like it treads the same ground too much in the first half of the first season. Once the second half ramped up, I was like, oh, this is interesting. This is good. Yeah. Um, but it took me a while to feel that sense of bingey investment. Yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's um, right in like the middle of the Legion of Doom arc, I think, is when it was in the show, kind of found its stride for me. Yeah, that's when I got most excited about watching it. And yes. And it was like they just keep replacing, they're just all substitutes for the Joker. Everything's a substitute for the Joker, whether it's the crew or joining the Legion of Doom. It's like 
you know, it's, uh, 13 episodes is a lot to like spin your wheels for, for five or six episodes. Yeah. Just, just make a six episode miniseries. And I will say like, I think the, the showrunners are doing a fantastic job. Their background, I should note, is in live action and live action comedy. Mm. And so they are bringing that sensibility to an animated series for the first time. I believe it's the first animated series for both of them. Cool. So taking that into account, there might be growing pains on how to pace things in animation. Interesting. Um, and it's specifically an adult animated series, an R-rated animated series. Um <sighs> You know, there's likely growing pains. This is DC's first adult animated right. show. So sometimes the style, the style you'd think that you're used to seeing with Batman, the animated series, something more along those lines is now in this almost South Parkian uh, right. script. And so that is a little jarring and it takes a minute to be like, okay, I got to adjust to the fact that this character who looks like this is saying the C word. Like, <laughs> I think there's a learning curve for the show creators and there's a learning curve for us as the viewers who are, we need to be trained to view this art with this style. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely does. Cause I wrote down something similar, but not as, not as put eloquently as you just right. did. Just that like for something that is really funny most of the time, yeah. when the humor doesn't work, it's, it's, it it's work. very flat yeah. and very, and, and it's, and like they pause on it, like, huh? yeah. and you're like, huh. and it does, it does feel at times like sitcom humor well, where, I, yeah, which it didn't dawn on me that realization until you were just saying all that, that it, it it's like, it's, it, it's a translation problem. Yeah. That's so interesting. I did not have that. You, until you just said it, I, well, uh, you know, friends was not my thing. I know ne I never, I didn't get it. I didn't like, I was probably cause I was too young when I was watching it. But, um, I just remember like that experience of watching a sitcom like that and not getting it and not enjoying it. That's exactly the feeling that I had in the first half, the first season of Harley Quinn, I'll say. And I think, um, you know, minor spoiler, I think the set that the last three episodes of the series and then season two is a very different show. Um, mm. and, and for good reasons. Uh, and that's so interesting. I did not put that together, but I think you're right that it's they're bringing like a live um, situational comedy uh, ethos to a, uh, an animated world. And that doesn't always work. That's so. Yeah, that's 100 percent agree with that. And maybe it's a good time for me to say I'm judging completely on season one. Season yeah. two has come out as of recording this, but I've only seen season one so far. Yeah. So if things have leveled out or smoothed over. I'm excited to see it, but I can't, I can't comment on it. Can I, can I uh, throw a, a big rant out here? A big rant. A okay. Big rant. Oh, wow. Do it. <laughs> um, Harley Quinn has an iconic voice and I say yes. Harley Quinn has an iconic voice because there have been many actor actors to voice her Arlene Sorkin, Tara, uh, Tara Strong, Melissa Rauch. And I love that Kaylee has chosen something unique to brand it in her own take on the character but sometimes it's almost like I'm watching a different character and not Harley Quinn because Interesting. Har Harley not only has a voice, but she has a cadence and a style and a, a dialect to her that they're not recreating in this show. And that's a, that's, it takes me out of the series because I always have to say like, oh, okay, well, they're doing something different. Um, and I applaud them for doing something different. It just doesn't work for me. And it's uh, in the back of my mind, it's like, eh, it's not. Are you know, and I won't 
embarrass myself by trying to do it. But it's like that Brooklyn-y, not quite Brooklyn, but Mr. Um, J. Yeah. Well, it's like there she has a voice and a way of speaking, and this show does not replicate that in the writing or in the the voice acting. I did like in the episode where she goes back to her family, her her mother and yeah. her, her stepfather, that her voice starts to take back yes. those those inflections. Um, but it was also like the, it was it was Boston, like it was all wrong for Harley. It's interesting because I guess it boils down to uh, if you like Kaylee Cuoco and her. Yeah her choices and her acting. I love, I love Kaylee Cuoco. I used to back in the early days of the big bang theory. I was a big fan actually for the first four or five seasons. And then I kind of stopped watching, but I, um, I've always really appreciated Mm -hmm. Kaylee Cuoco. And so when I watch the show though, I'm very aware that it is the Kaylee Cuoco show. Right. I mean, she's first build. Mm -hmm. She has her own title card. And then all the rest of the cast, including all the big hitters, right. they're all on one title card together. So it's like, oh, okay, this is Kaylee's showcase show. Yeah. Um, a little background on the casting, like I'm initially when they were first um, announcing the show, they said they were hoping to get Margot Robbie, yeah, um, to to voice the character. And uh, when auditions went out, this was like early 2018, end of 2017. Um, actually had the opportunity to audition for Poison Ivy. I was going to say, like, that's your wheelhouse. Uh, totally. And I loved that script. I loved that character. Um, but it became very clear once they made kind of their announcements about Kaylee Cuoco that they were going to try to get a celebrity cast. Yeah. Um, and not to take away anything from um, the casting because, you know, I think the acting work on this show is really great, especially Lake Bell, who plays yeah. Poison Ivy. Yeah. She's the my favorite part yeah. of this show. Same here. But I, yep. I think um, it's very much a, not a stunt cast, but it's a, okay, we have Kaylee Cuoco, who's TV's biggest sitcom star. Yeah. Who can we put into kind of, you know, Giancarlo Esposito and, um, you know, all these big, big TV names, Diedrich Bader as Batman, Alan Tudyk, who also plays many roles on Young Justice um, as the Joker. Like, so it's like, boom, 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 boom. And that was a huge marketing decision too. Like this is an adult animated series. It's going to be serious with serious actors. Um, I'm using air quotes for those of you who can't see. <laughs> Great audio. <laughs> they do make deafening audio. All right. And so, um, yeah, I definitely take your point that it's not the the Harley Quinn that we've come to know in different media. It's definitely Kaylee Cuoco putting her own stamp on it. Any other rants for Harley Quinn? I, I have another, but it's like so tied to a rave. Oh. It's like the flip. Of, of the rave coin that I have that I, I can't do it first. Okay. Okay. I you know a, what I mean? I have a throwaway that I just really would love to share. And Zara, do you have a, a rant of substance? Um, we know they didn't cast you jerks. That's <laughs> okay. It's okay. I've made peace with it. Um, uh, you know, I think what, um, what is my half bake rant? It's, it's two male showrunners. Uh, and I understand we're all nodding. It makes for great audio. Oh yeah. (laughs) And I understand that they had, um, 
I, I'm pretty sure they had a writer's room, which is very unusual in animation, yeah. um, but more common in adult animation yeah. or animation that is created by people who traditionally work in on-camera. Um, for a show that's about Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, two women and their friendship is the heart of the show. I just really, really hope that there were a lot of female writers. Uh, it's something I don't know. So it's not exactly a rant. Right. I'm not calling them out by any means. But for a show about two women, sometimes I feel like still the men get the comedy. Mm -hmm. The male characters get a lot of attention. And I'm not saying that a show about women can't include men, but um, I just really hope the authenticity that rang through in Birds of Prey in terms of the way women talk to each other, mm. I would love to see more of that in this yes. show. And it can't just rest on Harley and Ivy. Yeah. I, I really agree. hope there's more, more female characters in the ensemble. Yep. Strong agree. Who stick around for more than a couple episodes. You know, it's uh, it's it's authenticity, right? It's the it's the authenticity that that we were drawn to in Birds of Prey that is uh, often lacking in the relationships of uh, that we see in the animated world. Um, and whether they're just not putting the time into it, or like you said, that's not the makeup of their writer's room, or there are other things at play with that people want to see. It's not there. I don't I don't often believe the I don't often understand why Ivy is so good to Harley or why do you love her so right, much? Yeah. I, I want to scream at the television. Like, why, why are you, why are you doing this? Like, at, did you really just bond in prison yeah, that well? Right. Like, give me more info. Right. Yeah. And, uh, she's at, at you know, at, by the end of the first, you know, she's completely given up her crusade to save the planet for, for, you know, fixing Harley. Mm. It seems really out of character for poison. Like, why? Why are you here? And it's a, you know, it's a, it's big enough problem for me that it is a rant. Yeah. But I'll, I'll just, uh, I'll just end on. I fucking hate Kite Man. Oh, oh I love Kite. Man. I love Kite I, Man. Uh, <laughs> I hate. Well, I hate Kite Man from the comics, and I, <laughs> to, like, I already hated Kite Man, and um. <laughs> But, uh, you know, now I really hate him and hate how they're just using him. It's only funny to me because I know they're slowly moving like Harley and Ivy together. Um, and so he's he's such from the time they've introduced him, he's just a throwaway character. And he's like he's purposefully bad in every way. And it's just the humor is completely lost on me. I hate Kite Man. I hate everything about him. And it's like... Fascinating. They're just using him as a foil for Harley and Ivy. And whatever they're going to do with them down the road. Because they, you know, spoilers, the showrunners have said they're, they're going to eventually go in this direction. I don't know if it'll be season two or season three or how many seasons this is going to go for. But whatever that winds up looking like, he's only there for like situational comedy. That's not funny to me. Yeah, I don't know. I I have a soft spot for Kite Man. I I really <laughs> I, I I love the the poking at the 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 classic machismo, the hitting on Ivy so much to then opening up the insecurities and then when he's he's really trying but he's really not good. I mean, he's 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 like that the Aquaman trope before Jason Moa took over Aquaman. <laughs> like he He's I could do stuff of this world. Right. You know? That's fair. I, I, 
I love when he gets the cater waiter job at the yeah. Legion of Doom to make extra money because it's expensive taking poison ivy out. Yep. And I just, I love him. I don't know. I was never familiar with him from the comics. To me, I, I thought he's he's always been a pretty obscure character. Yeah. And so the fact that they've, I think this show has done a really good job of highlighting characters that kind of dwindled in obscurity and giving them more agency sure. and like a renewed interest in the character. And so, I mean, I'm so baffled why Poison Ivy is attracted to him. <laughs> um, but I kind of get it. I kind of get it. He's really sweet and he's really dopey. And he, you know, he turned his apartment to say 69. And I think that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I ship it. And I'm like, I'm worried okay. for his heart. Ultimately, ultimately, I'm really excited about Harley and Ivy getting together. Sure. But um I, uh, I, I am sad that it might be at the expense. Yeah, I mean, I don't Mr. see, I don't see Kite Man surviving that. Mm. <laughs> I just, that's, yeah, I don't, maybe that's in the back of my mind. I don't see Kite Man surviving that eventual, you know, shoe drop. Maybe they'll break up nicely and neatly before anything else happens with anybody else. That's no. the DC universe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm fresh out of rants. Shall we rave? Yeah, let's rave. Rave for days. I feel. I feel like we started off, and I, I feel responsible for starting us off on this wah 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 note because that's not actually the majority of how I feel about this show. I laughed out loud many, many times watching this. Mm -hmm. I loved. Okay, I wrote down a quote that just made me giggle, and I think that this is amazing given. The uh, production time animation takes, you have to bear in mind, these episodes were written probably in 2018 right. or earlier. And so for some of the topical references, there's so much topical humor in this show. For those references to last a year or more yep. in the animation production pipeline is a true feat. Kudos to the writers. Um, when Harley uh, said, when, uh, I, I forget, there was a character who was, maybe it was Ivy they're like are you pregnant and she was like this is gonna be so bad for your career but so good for your instagram <laughs> i died i friggin died um like all <laughs> just all the nods to stuff it's so, like talking about the martian and how it's a dated reference <laughs> that's right like, that, oh, wow. that was just such a clever way to hide that it might be a dated reference because this episode won't air until a year or two later like south park for example i keep citing that show because i love south park um, I love how quick they are yeah. in terms of seeing what's going on this week and translating it into their episode with, with more um, elegantly animated shows right. like Harley Quinn, you don't have that luxury where it's going to be a nine month, at least nine months until you get animation. Um, right. If that done. And so I think they've done a really, really good job of balancing that the humor yeah, that's my that's my big rave. I love the writing in the show and like its topical references. Um, and, you know, I think that is a strength too to have showrunners. I cited it earlier as something that might be difficult to have showrunners who have a live action background now working on animation. But I think it's also great because it's a diverse viewpoint bringing new insights to the genre that you don't really see in any other, in many other shows out there. So I think they bring that sensibility of humor to this show and i i really really enjoy it strong agree yeah absolutely i mean it, it really is we, we'll talk a lot about teen titans go and and um how that show grew on us because it's like oh it's just so self-aware now and it's like yeah. poking fun of this culture and everything and this 
this is the I more adult. Baby hands. This is the more adult version of Teen Titans Go. Yeah. Like this, this is the this is the next step for those of us who grew up on Teen Titans and and went nuts yeah. over it. Then this is our version of of Go. I I do. I laugh out loud at least a couple times per episode, um, because the comedy writing is there. Uh, yeah, the strong majority of the time. Um, a minor spoiler: the the most recent episode to drop. Um, has a, a cold open of this just, you know, the showrunners sitting in their basement just trolling. And it's <laughs> so meta. It's so hyper aware. It's so smart. The writing is just so, you know, goddamn good. It's, you know, it, we almost don't deserve it. We don't deserve, like, when the writing <laughs> is good, we almost don't deserve it on an animated show like this that is so hyper aware and so smart and so unafraid to pull back the veil on this whole genre and uh, just how absurd it is that, you know, that we geek out in the way that we do and, and laugh at the things that we laugh at that are amazing and horrific at the same time. Um, it's so unlike any other animated adult animated show or animated show. Um, again, show me something new. I'm all in. I, I watched the clerk series and loved it and laughed out loud. I watched the early years of family guy and laughed out loud. And this is so unlike either of those, um, that very first episode, very first scene watched it. Uh, I was like laughing and horrified at the same time and just, you know, yeah. went and got Elise. I was My like, fellow whites. <laughs> 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 holy shit like that's how you started like that's insane and i just stopped and i went and gutty lease i was like you have to watch this you have to watch this and that she connected with it in a real and visceral way is just proof positive of how good it is she loves animation but often does not connect to it in the way that i do because she didn't grow up with it but um God, it's just, it's so unique and so special. And, um, that, that, you know, we, a month between seasons. Thank you. DC universe. Like, holy shit. I was shocked when season two came out. April 3rd. Like, it just started. Quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I hope that I, I cross my fingers that that's the turnaround time for the, I mean, it's the two to three, two to three. um, it is so good and I want to know what happens. Um, I could. Sp- oh, no, go oh, ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, well, you- I just wanted to speak a little bit about like animation production. It's fascinating because like I feel like with Harley Quinn, my gut is that similar to how Netflix will mm. order from DreamWorks, for example, Voltron. Yeah. They'd order 52 episodes. And so work would begin on those 52 episodes and then they would be chopped up into, into seasons, seasons. Yeah. Even though there's only two big seasons. seasons in the production order. Right. Or like and how things were labeled, you know. And so it was always tricky because, well, for the actor, it's tricky because in theory, between seasons, right. you're able to negotiate for a little pay bump. But when Netflix is arbitrarily deciding this is this is a, these seven episodes are a season, right? Then these 13 episodes are a season. It's like, well, in my contract, I only worked on season three or whatever, but that three right. doesn't mean anything in broadcast right. world. So my my feeling is that for Harley Quinn, they probably ordered a certain number of episodes, got working on them, 
held on to the ones that were finished and then released them at the optimal time they thought for DC universe to have them. Mm. So there's probably a bunch of finished episodes. You know, I I wouldn't be surprised if they're done with the series. Um, And it's just finalizing. Not all of them are like probably final and picture locked, but um, I I think that's probably why season two was able to come so quickly after season one. Again, I'm using air quotes because they probably did all 26 episodes and had them ready to go. That's what they did with Young Justice. Like we had final episodes for the first half of that season, like done for a long time before the release date was announced on DC Universe. So yeah, who knows? Like with animation pipelines, like I'm hoping... It, it, that would be great if the seasons come out boom, boom, right. boom, boom, boom. Um, but it's just a bit of a wild card. Yeah, now that you say that, I think they did originally order 34 episodes. Of Harley Quinn? Yeah. Cool. And so season one was 13, and I think this is 13. So that was probably like one whole season. Yeah. Chopped in two. Because yeah. Young Young Justice did that too, right? There was like 10, exactly. 10 episodes up front and then 10 episodes in the back and like a we month or two in between. 26 episode order. So it was, yeah, 13 and 13. Yeah. Okay, 13. Yeah. Makes sense. Very cool. Um, other raves for Harley Quinn. Well, I'll do, I'll do my rave that has a, a backside to it of a rant. Oh. Okay. The, um, Can we allow that? Yeah, we allow that. Okay. We make the rules. This is the Wild West of the podcasting <laughs> world. Um, it's it's one of my favorite depictions of the villains of the Batman universe because they are so realistic. Like you, you believe there's a real person behind every single villain. Yes, and like, and you could probably assign each villain to someone you actually know in real life, right? And the the flip of that is, I wish they would do that with the heroes. Because the heroes feel so... <laughs> so two-dimensional. And so distant. Wah, wah. And yeah. there are points where you're like, how are the heroes not wiping the floor with all of the villains? Right. All the Because <laughs> these are just like normal Joe Schmoes, basically. And But what makes it a rave in the villain world That's is a, that... You can't just put a hit out on something. Yeah, yeah, they're having real-world problems. <laughs> I watched that one today, actually, in preparation. <laughs> I I love Bane. Fucking in love series. Bane. Oh. oh my god! Why do I not have a chair like the rest of you? <laughs> That's <laughs> hey, you a look, pretty good oh, Bane. Yeah, it is very good Bane. I've uh, been working on it. Who does? Thank you. Um, but they, yeah, it's just the <laughs> fact that like it's it's like the whole Legion of Doom is so bureaucratic, and yeah. it's just like you could you could you could. <laughs> You can really believe that it's a real institution. Right. The goons are hired, and you know they're it's the just henchmen, a side gig. The you know, side gig. <laughs> like it's just like real world villainry, and then totally. and then, and they also do horrible things. Yes, like horrible things, which makes them even more horrible because they're not like mustache twirling right. cartoon characters. They they are real people doing. Yeah, horrible, they're the horrible antithesis stuff. of the Adam West era, like villains oh yeah yeah like someone's gonna wind up in a wood chipper and it's gonna be horrific yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I I love too like what this kind of has in common with uh, birds of prey is that hey, where's the line? Where do we draw the line? Mm. And I feel like this Harley, this animated series world, the line is way more far than in the live action oh, world yeah. where she was like begging to tw- kill the twelve year old right. Damien Robin. Oh. Um, like <laughs> that <laughs> was amazing, and I think. You know, I I completely agree. The heroes don't feel very fleshed out. They also feel like they're a little bit of a menace. Like they are yeah. essentially the, the villains. They're the real in the villains. Series. Yeah. And so, I think in a way that like, sorry, sorry, hang on. <laughs> she did not like that. No. Um, I think that in the way that Birds of Prey was a Harley Quinn movie without the Joker, and Joker was a movie without Batman. This animated series is. Um, a Legion of Doom series without the Justice League. Mm, interesting. Um, so I, I don't know that I hope that they flesh out the heroes more. I kind of like Superman and Lois Lane just talking about going for sushi, <laughs> and just banal stuff like that. Like it's a way I've never seen the DC heroes before. So that right. to me is really interesting. I love and that. And I do like Batman and Jim I, Gordon's. Oh version. God, I fucking yes. love Dietrich Bader and Chris Mal- uh, Maloney as Batman and so Gordon. So good. Dietrich Bader is the nicest man on the planet, but also so, so talented. I love him in everything. He's the best. He, oh, you guys, he's been posting from his Twitter, like pictures of his garden. And like, he did this before quarantine. Like, he's just, oh, such a nice man. I I have worked on him, worked with him on several shows, but never met him until um, just earlier this year at the BoJack Horseman um, (laughs) uh, series finale party. And he was so nice. That's awesome. Like the person he is on social media is the person he is in real life. Yes. Um, So I, and I love his Batman. Oh my God. So good. So funny. I hated his Batman in Brave and the Bold. Um, And I love his Batman in this. This is the perfect Batman for this world. Um, His Brave and the Bold Batman grew on me over time. I mean, I had a reaction in the beginning, but by the end I was... I was with him at the end. Yeah. 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 But, um, oh, it was so great when I heard, when he opened his mouth for the first time. Cause I didn't, I didn't know initially who was going to voice Batman. And then, Mm -hmm. oh, this Jim Gordon, it's just like, oh my God, it's, it's, this is, this is the relationship Batman and Gordon would have in the real world. (laughs) Yeah. What, like, how else would you allow this, like, like vigilante to like do what he does in your city? That's the only way to explain it. Yeah. I love it. Oh, God. Um, this, uh, the cast. God damn. Ugh. Like, um, Ron Funches, King Shark. So oh good. Oh, my God. Like, and I love that um, King Shark is usually just like, um, uh, like an Incredible Hulk character. I love that he's a computer genius. I love hey, that they play into that side. And then, like, out of nowhere, he'll just bite someone in half. <laughs> yeah, because you're like, oh yeah, he is a shark. He is a sh- oh yeah, yes. I forgot he's a shark. Um, and uh, Alan Tudyk's Clayface, like, uh, oh my god, uh, when so funny. And I didn't have that realization that f- I knew he was Joker. I did not know he was Clayface until um, I forgot how it dawned on me, and then I looked it up. That I love that he's Clayface. Jason Alexander, Cyborgman. Oh. Uh. Really great. Yeah. Oh, my oh God. God. I love Jason is... Alexander. Did you ever watch Duckman? Did either of you ever watch Duckman? I did. I used to watch Duckman. I did not. Oh, my goodness. And I like his voice is so recognizable. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. But I also forget that it's him. And, and yeah. like there's there's something about uh, 
the, the way he just like falls into the absurdity of that character when he starts talking about like CIA black ops and Nam. I'm there. I love it. And uh <laughs> <laughs> and uh this like I love that they the character because they could have brought anyone from the Harley universe into the show. I love that it's this character. The f- totally. The f- like the fucking cooked out landlord. Like it's it's perfect. Yeah. Like if that's the character you're going to salvage from the um the comics. Fantastic. And uh I I'm blanking on his name. Uh Frank Frank the the the, the plant. The plant. I can't um Yes. Um, 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 um I know it's wrong. I'm, I keep wanting to say Tiny Ron Lister and I not I know that's not right. Um JB Smooth. Yes, thank you. Thank there you. Thank you. you thank go. you. JB Smooth. Yeah. Yep. And uh he he's I love that he's the I resp- love Frank the I love Frank. He's the voice of responsibility. Oh my god. <laughs> when the, like at the end of that episode where Harley goes home and she wakes up in the in the car and Frank's drive it's like it's like yes. oh she's she must be like drugged out of her Oh no, oh no, no, this is real yeah. and this is perfect. And I love in the pilot when we first meet Frank yes. and he spits out the boy yes. and then he spits out the boy's parents. Like, I wouldn't worry about that. <laughs> oh my god. Like, amazing. I also like uh I love the dynamic between Lake Bell and Kaylee Kuoko yes. as Poison Ivy and Harley can respectfully because Harley is all up here and always high energy and Lake Bell like doesn't give a shit. She's About like down anything. here. Yeah. She's the grounding force. Oh, which makes sense because Poison Ivy loves plants, plants ground, earth. earth. There you go. And they're like these two elements that are trying to balance each other right. out. Um, and failing which, miserably. Yeah, as of right now, they're not together. But those actors are doing such an amazing job. Lake Bell's comedy is so funny and so subtle. Like, I I really love the performance she's giving and then what the storyboard artists and animators are doing to translate that Mm. into, like, there's these moments of stillness in the show, which is really, I think... um, you know, challenging to pull off in comedy. And then I think even more challenging to pull off in animated comedy because it's so many different people working on the humor. And I think the show executes them really brilliantly in when there's, they let a moment of silence, like sit in mm-hmm. um, where they focus on a character's face or something yeah. like there's just been a couple technical moments where I'm like, wow, that was really, really well done. And a good team effort by everybody involved to get the joke, to underhand, the, understand the humor, yeah. to know what the scene needs artistically and based, based on the voice performances. Um, yeah. Visual jokes and cartoons. You don't often, you don't often get that in a way that's connected to the, the actual joke that's being told. Yeah, and especially not necessarily one that's organic with the joke the actor right, is setting up right. or the writer is writer has set up and then the actor is executing um, to then go to that third point of the visual element of it. Like, it's really awesome when those elements work together so beautifully. Uh, but yeah, I love I love Poison Ivy. She's so cool and she's so hot. I think on my notes, the second thing I wrote was Poison <laughs> Ivy, hot. <laughs> I am so into Poison Ivy and Harley's relationship. I'm really um, intrigued to see where it'll go. Yeah. Uh, right now, I feel like Harley has a lot of work to do <laughs> on herself. Just a little. Just a little. Um, uh, well, fun fact, there was a special voice director who was brought in to direct Kaylee Cuoco specifically. Charlie okay. Adler is a prolific voice director yeah. here. And he is... Hang on. <laughs> Bless you. Excuse me. Oh my gosh, allergies. 
Charlie Adler is a prolific voice director here uh, in LA and, and um, at voice actor in his own right. Mm-hmm. He was uh, in, in um, Tiny Toons and uh, he is amazing. How I would describe his style of directing is like, he's this batshit insane maestro and he will say whatever it takes and do whatever it takes to get the thing out of you. I took a class with him uh, a few years ago and I'm forever, forever grateful to him because one of the pieces we worked on in his, in his class was the audition that got me onto Mar- uh, Shira, where I play the character Mara. Mara. It yeah. was the audition for Mara that he coached me on oh, very cool. and that ultimately got awesome. it. And he, one of his pieces of direction was like, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase, but it was like, you're just a girl trying to reach one other girl. Go. And when I went to the session to record, the voice director was like, the, you know, we, your audition really stood out because it was just one person talking to another person. And I'm like, oh, Charlie Adler, ah, you're worth every penny. So Charlie Adler, <laughs> he was brought in specifically to voice direct Kaylee Cuoco to help her get to where she needed to go. Wow. To, to do all the heights, the heights and lows of Harley right. Quinn. And so I, uh, when I watch her performance, I'm not just thinking of Kaylee's work. I'm thinking of Charlie's work mm, and right. what fun maniacal energy that must've been to witness in the booth. Yeah. That's those two personalities together. And that's so interesting. You're right. Cause like, you know, it, Kaylee's Harley is up here and always like, even when she's down here, she's still up here and always like, it's basically her yelling, not yelling. And that's, that's hard to like, then bring it to a place of subtlety. And that's that's even when she is down or or trying to be small, she is still so big because that's this that's the version of the character they've set on. And yeah, yeah. to find those nuances while at the same time being that high energy and that big and that loud, that is really special. I didn't think about that. It's, it's uh, I love I love to hear stories like that. Um, Tiny Toon Adventures. God, I loved that show. That was special. Anyway, sorry, I went somewhere else. I went there somewhere there for a minute. <laughs> Nostalgia. Yeah. I like it. We went there with you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad to take you on that journey. Um, any any other uh raves for the Harley Quinn series? We've kind of talked about mine like organically and just talking about it. Just like geeking out over yeah. it. It's yeah. It's like both of I love that we did this double feature because they are both the movie and the series are just they're so fun. And it's it's just it's good. It's just a good time. Wait, who recommended doing it as a double feature? Yeah, hmm. I don't know that person, <laughs> but it was the right decision, and they, you know, they it definitely balanced it out because I think if we had just done the series, I would have had more to rant about on its, on its own. The series on its own, it it, it misses in big ways for me sometimes, but um, mm. it, but it's so unique and so special, and then to get like this completely other Harley Quinn is that they can both exist in the same space. And, and while there is still like, um, you know, we're using this character in the movie, you can't have them for TV. There's that seems to have gotten better. Like particularly just in the last couple of years, I think in part due to the success of the Arrowverse, um, Hmm. where, where that show is really hamstrung by not being able to access certain characters. Um, 
Gee, I can think of, sorry to interrupt, yeah. but like, I feel like when your access is limited, you have to be creative. And I feel like that happened in the MCU. Yes. If they're not allowed to use the X-Men, right. which everybody, who everybody loves, mm. gosh, how do you, right. I think they benefited from it because they had to really work to define these Avengers and bring them together. And so now, like, I think that the the um the dc the arrowverse profited similarly yeah. when it's like you're not allowed to use these big guys but now you're elevating these arguably more interesting right. newer little guys up to a whole new level yeah no I'll, that's a, that's a f- excellent point i didn't think of it in that way that uh yeah that's very true the more you're limited, the freer you become. I remember an art teacher told me that in college. And I was like, yeah, totally. Yeah, let put limits on myself and then I can expand into them. Yeah. Absolutely. One of one of the things I say a lot when I'm uh, Egyptologizing is uh, you got to know the rules first so that you can break them. That's, there it is. That is, yes. Wait, are you an Egyptologist? Yes. Sketches. Sketches an Egyptologist. Sketches an Egyptologist. All right, that's a, that's an offline conversation. <laughs> I do have one big question for the Harley Quinn animated series. Cool. Just one, because it is an ongoing series, so I'm sure things will be answered. But one that I I have to know is, is Gus okay? Is Gus okay? Probably not. The scarecrow henchman who befriended Poison Ivy. Oh, who loved the pretzel dog. He loved the pretzel dog. He just took it to buy art supplies for his kindergarten class. Yep. I need Gus to be okay. (laughs) Uh, yes, he's. Before, I'm not optimistic. Listen, not before either. I wrote down this question, I went through every gust scene to make sure he didn't die, and he does not have an on-screen death anywhere. I I so know. There's hope. Mild spoilers. Gotham City's not doing so great at the end no, of the I, series. I have finished season one, and oh, it's yeah, a whole different yeah. world. It's a whole oh, different. No. It's a whole new world, and not a carpet ride and <laughs> genies and 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 weddings kind of way. So I don't. I don't think there's I'm a happy ending there for you, Sketch. It's like, um, what was his name? Paul in the Deadpool movie? <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, wasn't it Paul? Honey Bear. And at the end, the, the Deadpool saved him. Oh, oh, original Deadpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Paul, yep. Yeah. The the henchman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah just, he just showed up for the audition. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yep. The henchman edition. <laughs> yeah, you got it. All right, well, hopefully we'll find out about Gus. Uh, yeah, fingers crossed for Gus. Thanks. I appreciate it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of ranty, but not really. I just have this one question. Will Harley stand on her own two legs? Um, because Connor and, and Palmiotti, they, they gave her such, such a journey in the comics and in in a, the series has pulled heavily from from the the comic material, and it's it's hard for me to keep seeing. And with, now that you've said like the sitcom way, Zara, um, it, it's hard for me to to see her keep like growing, 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 growing back to square one, over and over. And it's um, I don't I don't know if they're ever gonna let her grow in the way that the movie let her grow because i think that is the trope of this show mm. hmm. i don't know your thoughts on that yeah and i mean you've gotten further than both of us i'm i'm yeah. two episodes into the it's season two. Oh, okay so not much not much, much. further 
I don't know if there's an answer to that, but um, yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's a almost, true big question. It's almost a rant for me, but uh, I'll leave it as a big I, question. I, I wonder and prophesize that if there is a change in her character in terms of her gaining more independence, it's perhaps ironically going to come with the deepening of her relationship with Ivy. Hmm. Um, not that I'm saying she's going to become dependent on Ivy. Like right. she's, no, 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 she's no. Yeah. Trans- switching one master for another. Yep. But I think that that whatever that dynamic continues to be, that's always the thing that's prompted her to really reflect mm-hmm. um, and grow and fixate on. And so I think, I think as that becomes more developed, so too will Harley's ability to be independent. And um, that's my guess. That's my hope and my guess. Um, Fingers crossed. Because I'd also like to see um, her psychology come out more. Like it did in Group of Yeah. And when it came out in the car. Yeah. Yeah. The rear view mirror. Because they've they've really leaned into her as a, 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 a gymnast. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Can I just say, I forgot Please. to say this in my rants. I mean, sorry, my raves. I had to rewind it and watch it a couple times because I couldn't believe what I was seeing. When they, in that episode where they, inter- they introduced her family, yep. they did the theme song and they talk about missing brother most of all. Yeah. And they cut to the urn. I was like, what (laughs) like that was so morbidly delightful like i was not expecting it and i i loved the show for for going going there there and doing that and then yeah barry oh may he rest in peace (laughs) 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 but it was so delightful um i for like big questions i want to know if bats fucks bats it's fair. I think so. I mean, <laughs> did you guys watch through Birds of Prey all the way to the end of the um, the credits? Yeah. Yes, but it cut off. It does right. cut off, but, but it's Batman fucks We're bats. to assume that's what, <gasps> that's she, what was, she was going to say. She was going to say, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's. Yeah. I remember walking out of the theater with my friend who I saw it with, and I was like, all right, just to explain that. Right. Uh, Batman fucks bats. Batman fucks and bats. That's what she was going to say. <laughs> And I was like, well, I wonder who's overhearing this conversation. <laughs> it's a it's a question I never considered until Harley Quinn, the series. So, like, is this a thing in the DC universe otherwise about Batman having a bat fetish? Um, it, Not that I'm aware of. I, I haven't read everything, but certainly I've read my share of like Batman comics and Harley comics. And you'd think that would stand out. Um, you, yeah, I don't think that's a thing, but I love that. I mean, would he Richard gear it? Because I don't think you can physically insert I don't know. a human thing into a bat. That <laughs> Is would... this the part of the show where we really break this down now? And just... <laughs> Yes. Yes. Because uh, we are that podcast. Getting to the, the bottom of it. No pun intended. Hey-o! Intended. Um... <laughs> Yeah, and I just have I just have one last big question. Are they going to wait until the end of the series to put Harley and Ivy together? Is that going to be the conclusion? Because mm. fe- I hope... I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Uh, it just feels like um, writers have have gone there. I mean, in the in the Injustice universe, they've come right out and said, the, like, they're they're like there's some legality to their their relationship that they are legally married in the Injustice universe. 
Harley and, and Ivy? Ivy, yeah. It's like oh, an wow. alternate video game universe uh, in, yeah. in the com- in the ongoing comic of that universe. Like they're they're like a, they're legally married. Um, Hot. Yeah. So it's like um, I love when when comics like go there, but it seems like DC and and maybe their their corporate overlords uh, have never really let them explore that, and and then gets walked back. So I mean, yeah. I, I, I do. I want to see that relationship play out because how does how does someone who is psychotic have a like a cohabitual relationship with someone who is in clear not psychotic? A goddess. Yes, um, <laughs> but who is is not psychotic and and does terrible things? But I, there's this. I can't remember what episode it is, but it's like, um, it's like, yes, I'm a villain. I mean, like, no, I'm trying to save the planet. I'm not a villain. Like, you're all the villain. I'm not the villain. Ivy is very much aware of what she's doing and her methods and is not remorseful um, in a way that Harley is not always aware of what she's doing or the ramifications of what she's doing. I want I want to see that explored. And yeah, I really want to see them together. I don't want it to be just at the end. Like, you know, like when you think of like Korra, the end right. of that, they just, they finally put the two characters together. But you like, you want to see the relationship because there's so much character growth in a relationship. Yes. It's not yes. all about just getting to the relationship. Exactly. And, and I don't know, that's a big problem I have in a lot of properties that like the end all be all is, is cementing the relationship and nothing nothing about the hard work that goes into maintaining a relationship. Right. Especially with two dynamic characters like this show. Yes. That would be, that would be a huge miss if they, yeah. And I feel like I, I, I'm just, I'm so afraid that it's just going to wind up being fan service. I feel like the show, I'd only season one. I, I haven't felt overly fan serviced in this well, uh, other fans, than fan uh, service in the sense of just like for the Harley Ivy shippers, like I want, yeah, no, and I, I wanted to I, explore the yeah. that the dynamics of those characters. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying, and I think from what I've seen in season one, I feel like we're laying enough of a foundation that I feel pretty good that we can move forward with it. Okay, I like that answer. I 100% agree. Uh, sorry, I'm being laughed at because I went off uh, off mic to sneeze and blow my nose. I'm happy to edit, Zara. <laughs> it's it's okay. Thank God. <laughs> I appreciate that, but I'm happy to do a little ed- editing. Um, I 100% agree with what you just said because uh, I feel like, especially as children, not that this show is for children, but as children... And continuing throughout, media primes us to get to the relationship. Will they or won't they? Right. They will. And then it's like, oh, you think, and then you, you can't help but think in your life, oh, that's, you, you're not shown stories and modeling of how relationships actually work mm-hmm. and the work that goes into real relationships. You're like, right. oh, all you have to do is fight until you say, I love you. And then that's it. And it's happily ever after. Yep. So I, especially, and that's especially the case with, um, LGBTQ relationships depiction in media. Queer relationships are not given the same 
wealth of fleshing out that straight relationships are given. So I think it would be huge. It'd be hugely smart and hugely necessary for this show to really give the relationship between Poison Ivy and Harley a real look and flesh it out. Um, And that's, again, I echo my concerns. Like, I hope they have women in the writer's room. I hope they have queer women in the writer's room. Because if you're doing a queer relationship between two women, you really need to get it right. Um, You really need to get it right. And I hope they have, I know Warner Brothers is really good, especially over the last few years in reaching out to um, consultants with GLAAD, consultants from different um, ethnic and minority groups on, you know, and having sensitivity readers on their scripts. Mm. I really, really hope this show similarly, if they're going in that direction, one, I hope they do go in that direction. And two, if they do go in that direction, I hope they bring in appropriate eyeballs and sensibilities on it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that would be something that I think would be really awesome and unique. And I'm, I'm so glad DC is going in the direction of adult animation and I'm so glad it's going in the direction of um, telling LGBTQ stories. And uh, yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. I like the way you said it so much better, Zara. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> I don't know what I said. I just talk. Play back the tape. <laughs> I think we I think we unpacked Harley pretty darn well. I today. think we did. And uh, I'm so I'm so glad I got to have this conversation uh, with both of you today. Oh my gosh, how much fun. Thank you so much for thinking of me to talk about these shows and the movie. Well, like, you you are our resident uh, queen of all things uh, DC media. And so thank you so much for make, making time and, uh, and for course. geeking out with us, Zara. Of any time. <laughs> um, okay, then. Um, we'll hold you to that. We will hold you to that. That brings us to, I think, Sketch. Shades and recommendations. It's hard to do it remotely. Over remote. COVID. Thanks, COVID. That sounded Thanks. great. Thank I have a wreck. What's your wreck sketch? A wreck which is very timely for the world that we're living in right now. I awesome. like to I like to board game. Because uh your last recommendation was a road trip. Thank you very much. Yeah, I and I still think it's gonna be very important for people to get out on the road and support local Too businesses. Soon too soon sketch start your car start your car every week at least yes drive it around for 20 check, minutes keep the battery alive check uh check under the hood and your tires first uh yes. squirrels and 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 critters like to take up residency in those those warm safe spots also a great time to start rooting a, a, a road trip you know you can always yes. start thinking about it fair that's fair that's fair i'm sorry i interrupted you um my, so i like to board game i like to board game with a group of friends and uh, that is kind of on hiatus right now for obvious reasons. So what we have kind of resorted to is a game uh, on our computer or on our individual computers called Tabletop Simulator, if you've ever heard of it. It is a uh, virtual room, basically, with all of the, uh, the kind of the tools in it to play a board game. And... Uh, people have like modded it out and made like packs. So like, Oh, you like a pandemic. What? You can play pandemic in this. If you get it, you can uh. play the. And so you, you are physically, not physically, you're virtually putting out a board game and you're virtually all sitting around a table. And like, it doesn't play the game for you. You pick up the die, you roll the die, you move your character, your token seven places. So listen, is it perfect? Does it perfectly capture the fun of a, a board game night? No, but it is miles better than, 
not board gaming at do, all. Do I need like VR equipment or anything nope. for you this? You can do it in VR, but it's just, I don't do it in VR. Just do it right on my computer. It's just a, it's called Tabletop oh. Simulator. And there are literally thousands of uh, like mods that people have made for it to play different board games in it. Oh, sign me up for that. I've been craving, <gasps> craving some board games. Yeah. So it's That's just, amazing. it's a really play- good way to, to, to scratch that itch right now. Can you do Settlers of Catan? Oh, absolutely. And like, oh, I'd be all and about like that. all the variations. Sweet. And the cool thing is, from what I understand, you know, you buy a uh, tabletop amazing. simulator, the game itself, but the games that people have kind of made and put into it, those you just sign up for and they get added to your library. But you're really only paying for the simulator itself. Oh, it's pretty amazing. That's dope. I know what I'm doing at the end of this podcast. Yeah, seriously. Top simulator. That's a great recommendation sketch. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Zara, you have a recommendation you'd like to leave? Yeah. Piggybacking off that, I've also been playing a lot of games on my computer in this time. And uh, something a friend of mine uh, turned me on to was the website rustylake.com. And it's a series of flash escape room games. So if you like escape rooms, now the thing that I love about these games is the sense of morbidity. It's kind of like a horror um, elements of comedy, but it's like, it's scary without being too scary. It's just the right amount of creepiness that like I was playing, the first time I was playing the game, it was like um, 2 a.m. one night and all the lights were (laughs) off my house. And I was like, this is a lot, even for me, who's a big horror fan. Like my nerves are real frazzled. This is real spooky. It was so much fun. They have about, I think, 12 games. Some of their games are premium and you can get them on Steam. Right now, they're really cheap, like 99 cents. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, and it's just a really satisfying, it sucks you into the lore of the world. And all the meantime, you're solving these escape room puzzles. Highly recommend it. RustyLake.com. I'm definitely cool. checking that out tonight. And is it is that um, multi multiplayer? Do you play with your single player? Single player. Can you play just like uh, with other people in the room with you, or is it just a one one person experience? Um, I would say it's a one person experience. Okay. But if you're like stuck on a puzzle and want another set of eyeballs on it, you could totally play with your partner. That's cool. I don't see why not. Yeah, I like you know. Sketch, I know you love a good escape room. I love escape rooms. And we had such a good track record. We were at 100, 100% success rate. And then the last two we did before this, the world went crazy failed. Ugh. It's hard to leave on two, two losses. Oh, yeah. you're just raring to get I back am. in the game. I am. I'm raring to go avenge these, these losses. You can, uh, you can hone your skills at Rusty Lake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I have a, an entirely different recommendation. I love both of yours, but um, uh, I, I, as, as you know, uh, Sketch and, and uh, Zara, I have uh, left the world of DC Comics uh, over some of the decisions that they've, they've uh, made as of late, and I'm only reading independent comics. However, oh. however they have made a decision that uh, beckons to me. And... Uh, I have only read the first issue or a, a, a teaser of the first issue. Um, Batman, the adventures continue, which is uh, a continuation of the BTAS universe. Mm. And it takes place between Batman, the animated series and Gotham Knights. Wow. 
So there was an, uh, season four of the animated series was a, an animation style change. Mm-hmm. Um, and this tells the story between uh, Dick Grayson going off, leaving and coming back as Nightwing. There are stories that are going to take place in there and it's drawn in the style of Batman the Animated Series. I, I'm on my, my iPad, uh, so I can't do a screen share, so I'm just going to hold... I'm just going to hold the cover of the first issue up. Oh, yeah. Oh, and it's, that looks cool. I, one of the things that the sketch you and I talked about when we did Batman and Harley Quinn was it was so awesome to see like that character of Gotham City with the, the, the red night sky in the background again. And I'm just... I've, I've read the first, I think, five pages, and I am, I, I'm all in. I have I, who's the author on that um it's it's uh I think it's a bunch much different uh, books. It's, I think it's kind of like um not quite an anthology uh, but um I, I know um Dinny and Tim have are are involved I don't know sweet. if they're writing the whole thing it, yeah okay so it, it's it's um Paul Dinny and Alan uh, Alan Burnett um oh, and it's going to be illustrated by Ty Templeton um, so it is the the writers and and producers of the animated series. That's so cool. Yeah. So it's uh, in in the vein of you know everything old is new again. I'm really excited yeah. for this, and I I actually did love the Batman Adventures comics, which was the the comic wing of the animated series. I I had so many of them, and I don't know what happened to them. Like I have. So many of my childhood comics, it seems, except for those, I must have let someone borrow them at some point. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm back in uh, in a small way to the to the the, the comics wing of, of DC Comics. Dipping your toe I, back in. Yeah. And I feel this is a safe place to dip my toe back in. There you go. Because um, the rest of DC Comics doesn't feel all that safe in the last couple of years. Interesting. They've just done a lot of, um, they've, they've just rebooted the universe. I would say four times in the last 10 years. And that's a little much. It's a lot to ask of anyone to follow yeah. along. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a different point in my life to, uh, to go through that every, every so often. You're old. That's what you're trying I to am. say. I mean, look at all the, all these all these beautiful grays in this. <laughs> this is my COVID beard. I decided I'm not shaving until this is over. It's real nice. Thank you. Thank you. It looks intentional. It doesn't look like a oh, quarantine thank, thing. Thank you. It's well. We'll see what yeah. happens. It started out. It was more like a, a green arrow kind of Robin Hood thing, and then this, the rest just filled in. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm done. This is difficult <laughs> to maintain. And uh, yeah, so we'll see what happens. I might need one of those like old timey cups that has the thing for the mustache. So it doesn't get. Oh yeah. Do, 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 do. I cut my boyfriend's hair for the first time, uh, in this quarantine and it turned out. Okay. Just the back is kind of a disaster, but I think I I did a pretty good job on the rest of it. Only I I took off his sideburns. So now they're just. That's okay. Sides. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Uh, this is this is an Elise Arsenault and uh, uh, and I collaboration. She did the back. Nice. I did the sides and the top, and she did the back. Very cool. It's mostly Very nice. it's mostly not awful. Sketch, your hair is looking great. Thank too. you. It's just long. That's all it is. It's just long. Nice. It's the man who stockpiles his hair gel. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's shellacked back. 
Out of can, toilet paper, but plenty of hair gel. I cannot, uh, <laughs> I cannot stand it in my face. So it's just going to keep going back and back and back. It's the Jim Carrey Robotnik look. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> um, guys, I'm going to put you on the spot. Anything you want to take with you from this adventure? Well, I'm going to take other than uh, this overwhelming sense of joy. I'll take this uh, this crossbow. It's not a fucking bow and arrow. I'm not 12. <laughs> well played. <laughs> uh, along those lines, you know what? I am going to take all of uh, Black Canary's clothes. I'm going to take those gold pants. I'm going to take that nice blue blazer. And uh, I'm going to take Huntress's hand. Aww. Oh, okay. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Good on you. You do, you do like a, a good blazer. I really do. They're just, what can I say? They're timeless, timeless elegance. <laughs> nice. And I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure she appreciates the solidarity. Totes. Um, pat- I, am, you take it, I am, I am going to take this egg sandwich. I was thinking uh, of the egg sandwich, but then I was thinking, well, Shade's definitely going to take the egg sandwich. I am taking the egg sandwich. <laughs> I really want to, like, uh, you know, it, it's, the, it's the stray Armenian arm hands that really make it. Yep. Yeah, just a dash of hot sauce. Just a yes. dash. And the expired yeah. cheese. Six month old cheese. <laughs> so good. I am I am lactose intolerant. This is gonna this is gonna be an adventure. Well, the lactose inspi- expired, so you're good now. I'm That's good. how it works. Yeah. It's inactive. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Though it's American cheese, so there was never, any, never lactose any lactose in it, in it anyway. Right. Mostly wax. It's just congealed oil. Yep. That's it. <laughs> mm. Yum. Uh Fuzzle, thank you so much. So much uh, for making time with us today. Uh, is there anything you would like to plug before oh, goodness. we uh, end? Um, the final season of Shira yes. drops on Netflix on May fifteenth. Oh, yes. perfect timing! Um, yeah, will we be seeing more of Mara? I don't know. Oh, Question mark. Okay. <laughs> Possibly, um, but uh, I'm excited to see how everything all ends because I've, besides being in the show, I've become quite fan, a fan yeah. of the show as well. It's really well written and um, I'm excited to see the end of it. Um, what else? I have some other DC things cooking that I can't talk about. Mm. So I'm just going to skip that. Okay. Um, Tantalizing. Uh, just anticipation right there. Yeah. There's no release dates for anything. At this point. Yeah, that's and Rona, coronavirus is making things sort of like I don't know what's going on. Um, what else do I have? Something that's coming? Oh, oh, oh! You can catch me. Also, that week of May fifteenth, it might actually be on the fifteenth. The series finale of How to Get Away with Murder. Uh, yeah, blinking, you'll miss me. But uh, my reporter character from past She's seasons back. is back to ask the hard questions. Nice, awesome. Very cool. So that'll be fun. Excellent. Uh, well, thank you so much for being here with us. It's always a joy to geek out with you. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, for giving me this awesome excuse to watch Harley Quinn content. Awesome. Well, I'm at yeah, home. It's the perfect time. <laughs> and uh, uh, Zara, maybe you can, if you can hang around for just a, a minute or two, maybe we can uh, do, head over to the, the Patreon and uh, ask you the real tough questions for our longtime patrons. Yeah. Sure, Ooh, sure thing. So uh, if you want to hear more of our conversation with this dynamic powerhouse of a talent, uh, you can join us at patreon.com slash Shades and Sketch.
And guys, we'll see you, see next, you next time. time. Bye. If you'd like to take a more active role in supporting Geeking Out, visit us at patreon.com slash shades and sketch. Our website is shows.acast.com slash geeking out. You can email the show at go with shades and sketch at gmail.com or contact us through Facebook or Twitter. Geeking Out is a production of Tree Cave Creative LLC. All rights reserved 2020.